Hey everybody, welcome once again to Cult Following, just a little podcast brought to you by a group of friends. Hey you guys, you can float down here, we all float down here. We're adventurers, seekers of wisdom and knowledge in film and beyond, but today we're just going to talk about the films of 1987. Some of our favorites. I am one of your four hosts for this occasion, Victor Moreno, along with Jasperino. We got the rock and pneumonia and the boogie woogie flu. Kirby Nelson. And Joshua T. Root. Is your refrigerator running? Oh, T. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about the movies we've been seeing, and then we're going to get into the meat of the episode. The meatballs to our spaghetti, Strogan, the beat to our Stroganoff. <laughs> the films of 87. Now I want Stroganoff, Did you man. say Stroganoff? What? Um, Not a, those what? films of 87. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's a different set No, you of had films. to wait till a year later for Who Framed Roger Rabbit <laughs> for that. <laughs> oh, Stroganoff is so good, though. Look, I haven't had Stroganoff in a long time. That seems like something you would cook, Victor. I totally made Stroganoff like He makes a good Stroganoff. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I know as a kid, Hamburger Helper was my favorite stroganoff. Yep. I think I just love that little, like, hand. Like, I, <laughs> they used to make toys yeah, of it. it. it convinced me to buy it once. And then, <laughs> I was as a, even as a kid, I was like, this is awful. Oh, like, I couldn't stand Hamburger I Helper. I lived on Hamburger Helper yeah, as a kid. There's, I couldn't I The couldn't disgusting thing was Tuna Helper. Oh, that man. No way. Uh, Tuna Helper was awesome. Uh, there's, like, a salad it's version, not even too. Uh huh. I'm like, do you really need a kid to make salad? <laughs> I mean, really? Right. Is it called Salad Helper? Uh, something like that. It was that. called Salad Tosser. <laughs> oh. Oh. It'll peel your What? What? <laughs> Jasper after dark today, guys. <laughs> no, yeah. I think I think he's I... our Ronda Shear for this episode. <laughs> true, true. I've been up all night. <laughs> hey, if you yo. remember, if you remember that, you're freaking amazing. Pick up the <laughs> phone. Yes, Jasper just uh, put on the satin jacket for this yeah. evening's uh, I've got my I've got my slutty makeup on. <laughs> but what's new? Uh, Crazy. So, does anybody have uh, some anecdotes on their past week's adventures in film culture they would like to share? Uh, yeah, I just got back from L.A. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man. That was pretty oh, fun. I, uh, I went out there for FYF festival which is fyf stands for fuck yeah fest so it's fuck yeah fest festival yeah is that yeah. really what it stands for <laughs> yeah. yeah it's exactly what it stands for wow. so yeah it's it's fyff i guess <laughs> um uh but you know that was pretty cool man like that was um like i had a a celebrity encounter actually a couple like oh, there were, really? yeah like there were a couple like just i guess it's probably because it's in la you know and um that's true there's another thing also because like if you go to like coachella there's VIP areas for every single stage, um, but at this one, there's only one VIP area, and that's for the main stage. And so for all the other stages, you know, if you have a celebrity or whatnot, they just, you know, they have to, like, stand there and watch it with the rest of the plebeians. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was, you know, really kind of cool. So, like, um, uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter 
Um, oh, the one from Scream Queens. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah, awesome. yeah, was, yeah. And then uh, the guy Matt Peters from Billy Lord. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, Orange is the new black. This guy from Orange is the new black. His name is Matt Peters. Oh, the chubby um, dude. Yeah. Who and does he, he play? He's, like the, he's the machine he's, shop he's dude. The machine. Oh, yeah. that, the geeky machine shop. Yeah, yeah. Guy. And he's uh, and he's also in that movie Southbound as well. Um, yeah, and, he uh, is. Who yeah. does he play in that? I don't know. Al. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh wait, I think he's in the bar in the last part. Like, yeah. One of the people who lives in the monster town. Um and uh, but then the the coolest one was uh was uh Bonnie Wright, Ginny Weasley from Harry Potter. Uh-huh. Um, so that that was because I actually like met her and everything. So that was actually kind of a funny story. So we saw um Frank Ocean play. Okay, and so we're watching Frank Ocean, and the whole thing that I mean Frank Ocean playing a festival was kind of a big deal. This is his first uh, U.S. show in years, uh-huh. and he kept on being booked for festivals and then canceling. And so everybody was like, "Well, is he going to cancel this one?" You know, obviously there's that whole thing. It's like, is he actually going to show up? And um, it was a really interesting thing. He did show up, but he was like on the stage that was raised out in the middle of the audience. Uh-huh. And um, he uh, he had somebody filming him and I was pretty far back, so I couldn't see who was filming him. But he had somebody with like this huge camera rig. And what they were doing is they were filming him, but it was like in this really interesting way. So they had all these shots of like that smoke and all these lights. And it was just like the cinematography on this concert photography was absolutely amazing i've never seen anything like it um and you know i'm like look i've 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 seen a lot of concerts and i've seen a lot of concert photography and that all kind of tends to be very similar um and this is just different the shots this guy's doing whoever's running this camera rig starts going backstage and he's like focusing on the like the stage hands and everybody and they're just like sitting there like kind of talking and laughing with each other and listening to music and he's getting like these really intimate kind of candid things of like people backstage and at one point they've got like one of the tech guys and he's got his laptop and then like the guy like starts doing some things with the laptop and opens up like netflix or something and starts playing blade runner so like i'm watching blade runner like just like through this laptop like one of the backstage guys and it's all just really strange um and then at one point uh frank ocean's doing this cover of an old r&b song that's like about calling someone and apologizing and then you see uh brad pitt all of a sudden come up on the screen so Brad Pitt is there, like, on stage, um, and he's kind of acting out this thing. Like, he's talking on the phone, and he's kind of acting out. It's almost like this live music video. Oh. Um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, looking at all this stuff, and I'm, like, I'm talking to my friends. I'm, like, you know, I don't – this is not regular concert photography. I feel like I'm watching a concert film that's being made in front of my eyes. Um, and I said – I think this is Spike Jones. Like it just seems like something Spike Jones would do, and it looks like it's shot by Spike Jones, but I couldn't tell. So then we leave that show after that show's over. We go to Nicholas Jar. We're standing there, you know, like kind of in the back for Nicholas Jar, and it's all in the dark and everything. And I hear this group of people behind us, and they're talking about how the movie, or, or you know, they're talking about how uh, Frank Ocean was like super good, and like, oh my god, wasn't that amazing? And I turned around, I was like, oh my god, it was incredible, right? Like, the way it was shot was just so, so good. I was like, I was telling my friends that it seems like it was Spike Jones, like it was Spike Jones. I was like, what? You know, I was like, yeah, you, what, what, you didn't know it was Spike Jones? I was like, no, no, I just guessed that. And they're like, 
you guessed that just from looking at his work. I was like, yeah, I did. Like, and the guy goes, like, are you in the industry? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. But, you know, I mean, I've got a podcast and work for a website. You know, I mean, we, we do reviews and stuff. So I guess I'm, you know, I'm a big Spike Jones fan. So, I mean, that's cool that it really was him. And so guy's like, that's really impressive. Like, what's the name of the website? So I kind of shilled for the website a little oh, bit. Nice. Kind of told about the podcast. And then he tells me he's a producer and he has a movie coming out next month, which I wish I remembered the name of the movie or the producer, but I don't. And uh, I didn't you think just to... <laughs> remember the casting couch. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <For your sacrifice>. um, <laughs> so, uh, so, but you know, because I was like, well, it's, it's cult. So we'll see if he remembers cult following or not. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, you know, let me know what the movie is. We'll see if we can, you know, take a look at it or whatever. Um, but then, so he's, we were going off to the next show and he's like, well, it's so nice to meet you, man. Here's my friends. And I kind of shook everybody's hands and then one of them like you know so then we leave and i was like i'm and i said to my friends i'm like i'm 90 percent sure i just met Ginny weasley from harry potter because mm-hmm. that was one of the people there and i was like 90 percent because it was dark and i was like no but i'm, I'm like that's her i'm like 90 percent sure mm-hmm. and then so of course i go to her instagram and she's there at fyf watching frank ocean like you know just like totally uh gushing about it so yeah so that was pretty cool experience there um and uh super super fun time did definitely. you show her your patronus uh good one everybody's fresh today um <laughs> yeah but so uh so then also um went by gallery 1988 uh which oh, yeah, will, one of our favorites yeah definitely kind of tie into our, our thing because they're doing a show on the um it's uh 30 years later the films of 1987 mm-hmm. so um but pure coincidence um that we're doing this though but uh yeah so that was really cool picked up a few cool prints there um i uh and then also uh we went to go see valerian um oh. yeah so that was my second time seeing valerian um and uh you know went to go see it in like we were gonna go to the chinese theater because you know i as we talked about in the last episode you know i have a follow-up to this whole imax thing yeah i don't know if you saw this today yeah, do you? IMAX announced that they're going to phase out doing 3D. Really? Yes. Wow. So that's it. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Like we said, within the next year, like their goal <laughs> is basically, based, most people, I think Dunkirk, they said most people bought tickets to Dunkirk. It's traditional 2D. Uh-huh. And well, people are going for the grandeur of the IMAX experience right. and the sound. And they think there's just not a big enough like market for 3D, uh-huh. right? You know, yeah. I mean, 3D is definitely dying in general. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that that's that's pretty obvious. That's what's been happening for a while. Um, but yeah, we, we were, we're going to go... have to get Jasper there soon, buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jasper's already having a hard day. They also are uh, discontinuing Coke Zero, so right. he's, he's really, really on hard times right now. Oh, so yeah. but but I do have inconsolable. So, uh, speaking of 3D, because this this has to do with um, so we saw there's a musician named Flying Lotus, um, and uh, oh yeah, it's Kuzo. Yeah, so yeah, Kuzo, right? Which I I don't know. I I, I at first I was like I don't want to see Kuzo because it looks so completely disgusting, and that's just not my jam yeah um but now i'm kind of like coming around like i kind of maybe want to get a group of friends together and watch kuzo together it's on it's it's a it's on shutter it's yeah shutter exclusive i was gonna watch it but it, it's one of those like i need to watch that next week when i finally get around to it like mm-hmm. Okja. right <laughs> right yeah absolutely um so uh so but um yeah as far as uh as far as the uh, flying lotus thing goes so he had his entire show was in 3D 
And so when you got your passes for the festival, <laughs> you actually got um, 3D glasses that came along with it. Oh, wow. Um, and it was crazy, man. Like, the 3D was just absolutely fan-freaking-tastic during this show. Um, they had, uh, they had like, this part with, like, this almost, like, Star Wars, like, um, like uh, Star Destroyer kind of ship that like came out at the audience and you had like, you know, stuff was like floating above the audience and stuff. So it was like super, super cool. But so anyway, um, so we, we didn't make, cause you know, obviously we were like up till four or five every day cause we're at a music festival. So we didn't make the 12 noon, uh, Chinese theater show that we yeah. were going to go to. So we ended up going to like the Regal stadium 14 in downtown LA and it was totally a fine experience. It was mm-hmm. fun. Um, but yeah, I mean the thing about Valerian is like, because I've, I've, I've then seen it a third time afterward because I went with my buddy who really wanted to see it when I got back from the trip. So now I've seen Valerian three times. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, boy, oh boy, the, the, the downsides of that movie certainly really show their faces after watching it multiple times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I don't think, yeah, to me, that's like one of those movies that, you know, you watch it once and get the impression. I think it's not a multiple rewatch movie. I mean, I still enjoy the action sequences and all of that stuff. Like, I mean, it's such a pretty movie, and I think it's so like the the set pieces are mm. awesome. Um, but God, the dialogue is terrible. Like that whole opening scene is just like, well, I'm the bad boy and I'm the soldier. Well, my Ivy League education taught me to stay away from bad boys like you. I'm like, oh my God, just stop it. Like, who approved this freaking dialogue? Well, and, and here's this is one of the things when I did my review of it. Um, it it's, you know, I, I think this is one of the stumbling blocks Baysan has when tr- directing English-speaking films. Right. He's French. Yeah. So he's not picking up the nuances. It's true. You know? I think that's a really good point, man. Um, it's, yeah, it just, it bums me out because I just, I think about, you know, one thing I, I, I heard some people talking about online when they were talking about Valerian is they said it's, it's you know, the the dialogue in a lot of cases is like episode two, Star, Star Wars episode two, when he's like, I hate sand. It's coarse. It's rough. And it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here, everything's soft and smooth. Right. You know, it's like. Yeah, I forgot how bad the dialogue yeah, in the Star it's Wars It's terrible. It's just terrible. And it reminded me. <laughs> They're all awful to me personally. Well, really? I, I always right. think of that scene where like. uh He's on a picnic with Padme, and she's got the Leia yeah. hairdo thing, and yeah. he's talking about how great dictatorships are. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're all like laughing about it because yeah. she thinks he's kidding around and everything. <laughs> but I remember hearing some interesting interviews um, about how uh, how Star Wars, like the original, like New Hope and, and Empire Strikes Back. The dialogue was like that. You know, it was very kind of clunky. George Lucas doesn't know how to write people dialogue. And that he had people like, I guess, Brian De Palma is one of the people who's most responsible for coming in and punching up the dialogue and actually making yeah. the whole thing funny. And a lot of people have said George Lucas isn't a very good director. I mean, I remember like in 97 when the special editions came out, like uh, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford talked a lot about how he had two signs that were like, faster more intense faster more intense (laughs) 
just like one sign he just flips back and forth yeah. right um yeah so so it really it kind of made me wish that valerian had that right it had that person to come in and say look you've got something really good here but we don't need to have a character exposition dump within the first 10 minutes of the movie we don't need that like especially when you have the film the opening of the film does such a good job of establishing the universe, doing it completely wordlessly. Yeah. Um, and, and you have so many cool things like that, that it just really, it bums me out what that film could have been. I think the film does still, even with its flaws, which are definitely numerous, I think it deserves more than what it's getting right now. It doesn't deserve to be a complete flop. I mean, that movie is still very entertaining. And I think if it was not opening against Dunkirk, like I think it would have probably done a little bit better. I'm not even 100% sure if it was Dunkirk. I just feel that, I mean, they completely dropped the ball on promotion. Sure. I mean, that's number one. Like, right. I really, to this, I mean, I didn't see any trailers. I never saw posters. I mean, I mean, I'm talking in comparison to pretty much any other film. Now, if it had been something where they had ramped it up, you know, and then delayed the release, right? I would have understood more. But it wasn't that case. It was just a case of, you know, we, yeah, for whatever reasons, who knows? It'll be one of those ones. Who knows down the line what it, what the exact? I, I think a big part of it is it's a French comic book. Yeah, that most people don't know. The title is odd. Um. Mm. You know, and the fact is, like, you know, Dale DeHaan is not a guy who's going to carry a movie. Right. And Cara DeLavigny is kind of the same way. I don't I, I don't see her as a leading lady, you know. Right. True. Yeah, um, definitely, um, you know, I, I look, I mean, the, the whole thing is, I think those two are terrible in the lead roles. Yeah. You know, like, they're just ho- so terribly cast. And especially watching a third time, which so... I saw, by the way, I saw the third time I saw was in non-3D because speaking to the dying of 3D, I wanted to see in 3D and there was literally at every single Harkins I looked at one 3D showing and it's like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And all the other showings are, are just standard non-3D. Um, so, I mean, they're obviously not behind 3D anymore. I watched this movie in just standard 2D. And boy, is it not as effective. Like, holy smokes. I mean, I've, there's a lot of movies, like, it's like, you know, hey, the 3D is awesome, but it's totally fine in 2D. That is not the case with Valerian. Like, this movie, I, I, I came to realize after seeing again twice in 3D and once in 2D, that I think, like, probably 30% of the effectiveness of how awesome that movie is, is how good the 3D was. Yeah. Um, so that was a bummer. But it also just, there's something dead-eyed about the way that they perform. You know, it's like they're just, they have not only do they have no chemistry, but they don't even commit to the dialogue that they're saying. Yeah. And I've never been a big fan of Dane DeHaan and, you know, Cara Delevingne or whatever. Like, I've, I've, you know, I mean, I don't know her a lot um, other than in June Moon, but yeah, it definitely bumped me I will me say out. she was the best part of Suicide Squad. Yeah, she was. I mean, I thought she was fine. Visually, I guess. Anyway, (laughs) I would say visually. Right. Right. I don't even think that was her voice for most of that movie. Right. Yeah, I didn't care. She just (laughs) she looked awesome as Enchantress. Right. Um, I'm a Viola Davis kind of man here. <laughs> she killed it. I mean, she to me was the best part yeah, of that whole movie. True. Period. She's but the best part of most movies. She's she in, is. Though. She yeah. rules. But um, I, I that's another thing too. Was I mean, just name recognition. There wasn't any real marquee names. There wasn't any, and it doesn't necessarily need to have one. But you need to have or have a lot. But you need to have at least one or two. And Fifth Element being 20 years old. 
you know, there's just not enough. It's not like Blade Runner, where it's Blade Runner, and we have Harrison Ford, and we have, you know, this huge cast. Right. Like, that just sells it right there. Not even based on fan base or anything. Just interest. Nostalgia, interest. You got it. They promoted that relentlessly so far. I mean, it's funny that we started off, you know, the podcast, Victor, kind of doing the little it intro. They just dropped the new trailer for that. But what I, I guess mean is, Pennywise speaks in it. Yeah, huh? he does. Did but you the, did you watch it? Yeah, oh yeah. First mm-hmm. thing, I got like an alert. I had to. It's it's one where, but it's um, I'm avoiding all that stuff. But I they just, have really um, yeah. yeah. But uh, well, no, no. What I mean just is on their promotion campaign. You're six weeks out from the movie. They started a few months ago. Obviously, they had a huge SDCC response. And I'm not saying Valerian was going to have any kind of equal to that. But I do think, you know, because it kind of amazes me to this day. We talked about in the last episode that anybody even remembers or cares that much about Avatar. Like, how is it? Like, if there was anything I wanted from The Force Awakens, it was it to knock him off that pedestal. Like, instantly. And to not, I would rather have Titanic be the number one movie where at least I could understand reasons why that was. Uh-huh. Av- Avatar to this day, I'm just like, I don't even remember the movie. I, I mean, I yeah. really don't. I think it's completely, and and I, I mean, like I said, it's like, who's... Heavy rise for Jujubees, yeah. man. Come on, we're talking about. Well, and then on the, uh, on the marketing standpoint, you're correct, because did I not sit in on this podcast? This movie would have passed me by and I would have known anything about it because yeah. I had no clue what it was until we brought it up here and I had to go on YouTube and watch the trailer and I was like, oh, this does look very Fifth Element-ish, you know, but um, I think the sad thing is marketing-wise is I think we've marketed it more than the studio <laughs> has because <laughs> I know we're this headed into like our third, third episode podcast. now that we're actually <laughs> like talking about freaking Valerian. But it's crazy, yeah. yeah. And, and I really... And I, I like how Josh has kind of talked himself out of the movie. <laughs> I He's still gonna- <laughs> look, 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 bro. I'm still gonna buy that movie when it comes out on Blu-ray. I'm still gonna put that movie on a lot. Okay, I still absolutely love the movie. If, I wouldn't have gone to see it a third time if I did. If anybody does like clever editing, I want you to go back to the last three and and do a, a Josh Valerian supercut because super it went from it's amazing. Oh my god, it's it absolutely is amazing. A- it is amazing, dude. And then it was like. Yeah, I still like it. I want to see it again. So, but you, you know, know what? there's you a actually, lot of bad crap. In this. Do Don't s- go see it in 2D at all. It's not worth you it. You do. <laughs> you have undercut it though. Though I will say, even just now with the whole like 3D thing, mm-hmm. because there are a few films that right. you have to see in 3D. Yeah, yeah. To get the like, full impact, dude. Like Hugo. Like, oh my god, that movie. I've was literally a- never seen that movie in non 3D ever. Yeah. Jaws 3. Yeah, I can't imagine. (laughs) I have a story about Jaws 3. I'll get into later. But uh, no, I I would never even want to see that movie in 2D. Like, that movie was made for 3D. Yeah, it totally is. I don't know, though. I mean, again, like, I mean, I I did not intend this to become the Valerian cast. But uh, I just, (laughs) I I, I look, I I definitely say it's a two-hour and 20-minute movie. 20 minutes of that movie is completely fucking insufferable. Like, it's just, it's, it's jaw droppingly bad. But two hours of is it. Is it at least the awesome. first 20 minutes? So you just get no, it no, it's, it's like sprinkled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
later yeah. on in the movie, there's they have this conversation about love that comes oh, out of nowhere, so and she's like the dumbest fucking thing yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah. Or when definitely. they like kill off cool characters for like no reason at all. Right, right. Yeah, like, exactly. We just spent like a whole ten minutes introducing this character. Now they're dead. Yeah. Anything um, on dictatorships? Because yes. that's what I'm into. <laughs> Not yeah. quite. Oh, oh but okay. there is a. Uh, speaking of STCC, somebody brought that up because that just happened. Um, you know, last weekend, right? We were talking about yep. some of the stuff. Um, with SDCC, but, um, there's, a I, I had a friend that was at FYF. Um, yeah, I know. I saw yeah. something burning too. Um, <laughs> it's I, not guys, burning, it's food. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, but so, it smells pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but so at SDCC, uh, I had a buddy who was, he was, uh, it was like, like a friend of a friend actually, but he was going down to Comic Con during the day. And then going up to FYF at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we totally. That's dedication. Yeah, it is dedication. I was um, going to say, that's not very close. That's LA to San Diego. It's a four hour round wow. trip. Yeah, you know, four that is hours. Dedicated. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, I mean, he was doing that and then just going down there like after the festival or whatever. I mean, it's doable. It's two hours. I mean, it's not that bad. But, um, but I totally, I was, uh, I had him pick me up a uh, jungle briefing Dutch. Ah, <laughs> oh, beautiful! Yeah, good job. Yeah, dude, so that thing's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Speaking of uh, SDCC, the uh, I will say the uh, longer Ragnarok trailer has kind of renewed my faith and that the movie might be pretty good. Okay, cool. So uh, it's funny; we'll, it we'll almost see. made me go the other way. Really? Like, well, and it's the movie. Well, here's itself. what I thought was uh-huh. funny: that there's a part where he's talking to Smart Hulk. Mm-hmm. When he's sitting there, wait, what? Uh, have you no, not watched not the? Seen it? No, oh, yeah. oh. no, go ahead. And <laughs> he's talking to Smart Hulk, and uh, <laughs> Smart Hulk, I like that. Well, you know the Hulk. Can that... we trademark that, or did is that? Did you make that up? No, no, that's no, oh, okay. that's, that's, that's a, a thing. Well, if you follow the history of the Hulk, he goes back and forth from being a savage to being a genius, right? Depending on who's writing the book, I think. But um, I thought it was it was kind of a nod to me because he's sitting there talking to Thor, and he's wearing these beads. And that is the exact Hulk from a four or a six issue miniseries that came out in the early two thousands called Ultimate Hulk versus Wolverine. Oh, the, he's, he has the Buddha beads. Yes, he's oh. wearing those exact beads when Wolverine comes into the Buddhist temple and he's sitting yeah. there. It's the exact same Hulk, and I thought that was really, really kind of cool. Uh, I, rem- I and I don't know if anybody even caught that. But... Oh, I totally had that because like the, the first issue the, the, is a Wolverine fighting a panda. Uh, that's... What? Yeah, Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine gets uh, ripped in half. He gets ripped in half. Yeah, and uh, Nick Fury ha- puts puts his head in stasis, and while he's in stasis, he has a uh, fever dream. Oh, where, uh, that's I totally forgot about yeah, that. You're where absolutely a panda right. Yeah, spirit animal and yes. beats the shit out of him for like wow. twelve pages. That sounds amazing. Yeah, Comics it is are fucking weird. It is. Oh yeah, he's like finally. Yeah, it's super <laughs> funny because Wolverine is like. Uh, you're not my spirit animal. Where he's do the cuddly side of me. It's like, what yeah. did you think a Wolverine was going to be your spirit right. animal? He's like, well, fuck yeah. Well, <laughs> and that that <laughs> that series was frustrating too because like the first two issues came out, and then there was like a writer's strike or something. So there was like a month, uh, a, a wait of like months yeah. to get the the rest of the story to finish off the story arc. But anyway, yeah, the Thor Ragnarok trailer, the longer one. Um, I really think I, I'm going right back to the, I think they had they shot this movie and then they tried to redo the trailer kind of like I said, make it um, more Guardians, make it more Guardians ish. Right. But I can totally see where this movie is going to be the bridge 
between the Avengers storyline and the Guardian storyline so they can move into Infinity War. I see what they're doing. So I can see the framework there, and I'm yeah. excited. The only and God that- damn it, if I don't get a full effing Infinity War trailer that's not just a goddamn teaser or something somebody filmed on their phone from Comic-Con, right. or, or just the... I've even seen where it's the it's the uh, audio and it's a fan made trailer over it and it pisses me off so bad. Uh, I if the, I don't get a full trailer soon, I'm gonna lose my shit. I saw the trailer, but it was like like probably an hour after it happened and it got uh-huh. yanked and nobody put that version up again. Yeah, it looks really cool though. Right, right. I just laugh because I always think of when I saw Wonder Woman and I was like, what the fuck. Like when the Justice League trailer came on, because I hadn't seen it. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I just don't pay that much attention. But I was like, "Wow, wow, DC, uh, you know the DCU." I was like, "What a way not to do it, you know? What a way not <laughs> to build hype." I think hype. the uh, the new Justice League trailer is good. I don't. Well, that's what I'm saying. If they had done that yeah. instead of show showing one where it literally looks like. Uh, like a TV spot, basically. Yeah. Like the last, the the first three Justice League trailers, I thought were awful. And this is a movie that I like. I really want to like, you know. Yeah. But like the one before the SCCC trailer, where like it's like a montage of shots, and then during like a montage of battle scenes, there's a shot of a fucking football player. Yeah. I, I was just like, I could tell, bro. Football, bro. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just like, no, no. This movie is clearly not for me. But then the new one is more like, all right. right. I have you not have... seen the new one yet, but yeah. it's well, sad that Man- I'm... Mance Raider from Game of Thrones is the main bad guy. Oh, cool. I just think it's yeah. really sad that I'm a... Do you know who he is? I'm a, uh... He's a Steppenwolf. Who's okay. like one of like Darkseid's lackeys. He's so that's Kieran be... Hines, He's right? born yeah. to be wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I just think it's sad that I'm a huge Batman fan and a Justice League comic book fan, and I'm really not interested in this movie at all, which I, I is really sad. I think the biggest problem with this movie is it's called Justice League, and they're going so... Like, this one actually had to hint at it because it was just getting idiotic that Superman somehow wasn't in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, why, why are you... going to talk even... about Mustache Gate? Uh, you know that i mean that thing is that kind of stuff happens all the time yeah they did it in the first uh avengers movie right like except like they just had a um what's his name chris evans put his hand in front of his oh, face that's funny, during the man. scene at the end where they're having shawarma right he had a full beard for yeah. snow piercer yeah. yeah he couldn't shave it so they just had him cover it up with his hand. <laughs> I don't know. I think that the part of the reason it's picked up so much steam is just it's like one of those like lightning bolt from God amazing ideas is Superman yeah. with a mustache. And you're just like, oh, my God, that's perfect. Yeah. Why is it so perfect? I don't know why, but it's great. Now everybody wants to, I don't want to see it. And and you know this is going to be one of those things where it's going to like in the comic books, mm-hmm. he's going to like have a mustache. Well, well, it's one of those things that almost doesn't make sense. I'm like, okay, so you can't shave. Uh, Henry Cavill can't shave his mustache for the new Mission Impossible film he's making. Right. And they're doing a $30 million worth of reshoots on Justice League. So, you <laughs> know, they're reshooting the whole movie. You're going to tell me that he can't shave the fucking mustache and then some, like, really good makeup artist can't recreate a fake yeah. mustache that's going to look just as good as that one for, like, way less than $30 <laughs> right. million? Dollars? Like, with makeup technology, has it not come that far? That I know. you cannot do a convincing I, I fake mustache? I feel like it would be easier to add a mustache via CGI than remove one. Right. But then I realized we're in the golden age of motion. 
motion capture. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's not even a thing. If we can make a guy into a monkey, we can remove a mustache. Yeah, it's true. I think they should add a uh, CGI mustache that's fully alive, like Spawn's cape. Oh, that'd uh, that would be awesome. awesome. That'd like, make a car- like a carnage yes. mustache? You know, that it's is like, still one of the best parts bad guys. of the 97 Spawn movie. Oh, yeah. Cape. Oh, yeah. Well, the cape <laughs> that was... cape was better than Doctor Strange's cape. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the cape was, uh, I just remember when I first got the day one launch of Spawn with the issue one, which funny, since we'll, since we continually talk about classic magazines good old wizard yeah it was it was advertised and one of the first 10 issues i remember having 91 or 91 92 they were teasing it but i just remember the pull out poster in the first issue but it also had the spread of it just his cape i remember that yes that's cool i couldn't believe how awesome it was but obviously what's even cooler is you go back and read some uh Todd McFarlane Batman from his DC era and Batman's cape does all the spawn shit. Right. Yeah, depending on what book you're reading and it's yeah. really cool to see. Well, well Todd McFarlane's kind of known for not exactly having a lot of ideas either. So, <laughs> well, you know the big takeaway from SCCC on that front was the fact that uh he finally got someone to let him make the spawn movie he's been talking about. Yeah, yeah I saw the last that. 12 years. Bloomhouse is going to let him write and direct. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bloomhouse, you know, I really think their model of, you know, which, I mean, unless it's changed, the idea is if you can keep your budget under 10 uh, million, you get full director, uh, you know, full, like, final director's cut. Yeah. Um, And I think that's an awesome idea. Well, it's it's a no fail, is the ultimate business plan. I mean, truly, people make fun of Bloomhouse, but even like, what was it? Uh, I think it was lights out with something like four million dollars, right? And it made like a hundred. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those ones. I mean, all of them. People yeah. make fun of those movies, and I'm not. It's a it's, it's not a great movie, yeah. but it is so one much. of those things where when you talk about a way to make money, which horror movies have always been the easiest way to make money, right? You just spend very little, and then you know reap the rewards. I mean. I mean, since the beginning, I mean, not that all horror movies, I mean, obviously just are George Romero, which you talk about, like, the one of the big, Night of the Living Dead, well, not being one of the biggest money makers, at least for him, unfortunately, and, mm-hmm. and that crew, but, um, but I mean, I, I truly think once, in 78, once Halloween, and people realized how much uh, Mustafa Cod was making off oh, yeah. of that movie, um, which, I mean, it's kind of like, as Victor and, uh, um, jasper no is like wrestling i mean the old time gate receipts and stuff from shows you know god knows how much people actually made uh texas chainsaw massacre is another one with the mafia cut of it right. i mean there's so many like stories but i mean i think blue mouse now i mean you know you're out kind of out in the open i mean people the whole business of monitoring box office receipts has become like a fantasy league for people. <laughs> I mean, that's just what people talk about now. I will They'll, say, I was the one who was closest to what Dunkirk actually made when we were. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Well, what did it end up at? Uh, it ended up at uh fifty. Fifty, yeah. yeah. I think okay. the early was like forty-five, and then it peaked over. It did right. good internationally. I knew it wasn't going to do like the seventy, eighty, but right. I knew it was going to have legs down the line. I just, I'm blown away just watching it since we're going to start, like I said, with the fantasy league thing. But I mean, <laughs> I really am just interested in that. So in the past few weeks, seeing Spider-Man, then War of the Planet of the Apes, and then this, it's just all of them have been one week wonders. That's it. And then, yeah, which is not uncommon in the summer, obviously, in a 
blockbuster season. Yeah. But I really am. Most of them usually get at least a second week or stay up a little longer. So I, it's I'm been a surprised. weird year all the way around. Yeah, it has. Movie-wise. I, I over, still right? don't really know if this was as good a year as 2016. Well, we're well past we, the You're talking about point. in terms of quality or just box office? Uh, well, I mean, we're uh, clearly not in box office, but I mean in quality. Mm. I, I just... What I, maybe uh, we'll get there. Uh, I, I mean, there have been a lot of good movies this summer. Yeah. I don't know. Like, for ju- Are we talking just summer or the whole year? I mean the whole year. Well, I, I don't know, dude. I mean, I had... I would, I would just say anecdotally, like, I had a hard time coming up with the top five last year. Yeah. And this year, I almost have a hard time, like, figuring out what I'm going to cut out of mm-hmm. my top five. So, I mean, I'll just say on the front half, I mean, if I can just... You know, I mean, between Baby Driver and and between Get Out and I mean, Bad Batch, which I absolutely loved. Um, you know, just those three alone. No, those are those three are solid. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but, and those all showed. I mean, I think even on the smaller side of all showed stand like a Bad Batch compared to how big like a Get Out or sure. Um, even Baby Driver, they've showed solid. And that's another thing too is like just the real staying power of movies. I just think that there's a lot of films. I think that people are going, like I said, are going to be like, oh, this is so right. good when it came out. Like, I feel yeah. already not only forgotten, but are going to be forgettable by the end of the year. That people, like, yeah, when they yeah, came yeah. and talked to them, they're, it's just not going to be Oh, I, I have to interject something that's really, really awesome here. So, when I'm at FYF, and I'm watching Erica Badu, okay? Mm-hmm. Erica Badu's on stage. She's got her giant, she's got a giant hat on. You know, she's always doing something crazy with her head. And um, she's drinking a cup. And she's performing, she's singing, and she's got this cup, and she's making circles with her finger oh, around crap. the rim of it. So <laughs> she's making circles with her finger, and then like the music stops, and she goes, "Now sink." <laughs> no way! That's so sick. Awesome. And there was That's all of about awesome. three people in the audience that got it. Wow. We're like, "Yes, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome." Uh, so I just had to interject <laughs> that shit because nice. that was awesome, man. Oh man! Oh, and I just want to before we get too far away from Thor Ragnarok, um, that the only thing that makes me a little hesitant about it, I just think that the Hulk CGI looks just terrible. I think he looks awful, like like almost Ang Lee Hulk bad. Um, out I wouldn't of place, say it was that. Bad. I mean, almost. Isn't almost? <laughs> Here, but... Here's my thing on the uh-huh. CGI in Marvel. I feel like it's super stylized in mm-hmm. a really weird way, like. Hulk especially just doesn't look like a giant like a like a buff dude. He looks like a giant like you know. Right. It's gradually becoming less and less human to where he looks like a giant like cartoon. Yeah. You know that was the thing with uh like in uh Age of Ultron like the whole beginning sequence where they're in the woods. Yeah. I remember thinking, and I'm not even an artist. I'm not. I don't draw or anything like that. But I remember thinking, I feel like there should have been more shadows. Yeah. Like he looked. Like you're right. He looked a little too flat. Yeah. Like there weren't enough shadows on him. Like they should have gone back and maybe filled some areas in or something. Well, like in the mean. in the in the Edward Norton Hulk movie, I feel like he was maybe as tall as a tank, so maybe like eight, nine feet or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. And in Avengers Age of Ultron, I think he's easily 12 or 13 feet tall. I mean, he's supposed to be giant. Well, I mean, like... Yeah, but it is, it's also that, like, Victor, at least, I'll, you know, not jumping in to tell you what you're going to say, but I mean, I do think that there was, I mean, obviously from 
you know, Golden Age and Silver Age comic books mm. and stuff like that, too. You know, people were trying to, I mean, there was some, like, ludicrously huge heroes, creatures, etc. Mm. But I really think, yeah, like, they, there's some stuff in the movie, since, let's just put it, the movies in Get Away From Comic Books, that was at least a little bit more to scale. Yeah. Um, like, and I, some characters are just hard. I mean, people between fanboy, fan you know, like obsession about way the way a certain character should look, uh, you know, it's it's just difficult. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't even know anymore with with, a, with like the Hulk though. I mean, it's there's no purple pants yeah. for me. That's like the number <laughs> one. Yeah. Okay? It's like it's like Thanos, right? Like I never like I read comics when I was a kid. To me, Thanos was never like a giant. Maybe I'm yeah. alone in that. And in like from what I've seen of Infinity War. He's as he's big huge. as the Hulk. Yeah, or yeah he shouldn't be that big. Yeah. He's supposed to be pretty big. You know, it's funny. I, you know what I always look at for proper scale? He is a is Titan, the, um, though, so I mean... I, I look I at guess. the Marvel games. I look at the Capcom oh, Marvel games. Oh, that's a good point. You know, like for scale. And Thanos is definitely pretty big, not as big as the Hulk, but Hulk is freaking huge. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's also the, the, the ultimate test, which I still believe, um, was X Men Apocalypse was Apocalypse. It's like, what the hell is he supposed to look like? Right. Like, I mean, not only does he have all these different things, but I mean, the classic Apocalypse. What not only does he, yeah. what does he look like, but what is his size? Yeah. yeah. And obviously, they got to be able to do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like he only got giant in that yeah. weird Xavier dream, dream vision. Yeah. But, but it seemed could've. like he could do anything, which also made it annoying how easily he was yeah. defeated in that movie. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he could be a giant. He could be Ivan Ooze. Whatever, it, it whatever really was felt, needed. It felt to me like uh, in that movie, they got to the end and like, oh, we need to wrap this up. We've gone too long. Let's defeat him. Yeah. You know what I mean? The writers, anyway. You know, when they were shooting him, maybe. Well, that's, I mean, that's just a movie There's where... so much slow motion in that movie to, I like, know. take up time. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, yeah. when I was, yeah. when I was uh, younger, I remember I saw this British show called, like, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Whatever, that show's awesome. Yeah. But so one good. of the jokes in the first episode is like a lot of our episodes ran ran short, so we had to put in slow motion <laughs> wherever possible. Oh god! <laughs> and that's kind of what that I got. So much. That's kind of what I got about uh about X Men Apocalypse. Like running short <laughs> and Gene. Walk slowly, slowly. <laughs> into the air, Gene. Uh. <laughs> Uh, but by another way, movie, I actually literally—it takes me a second to remember anything. Yeah, from. I mean, and I love the X Men. That's my property. Like, um, that's the one I always loved from the classic, the, from the big two. Um, I mean, especially the there's a no, Quicksilver like, sequence with Sweet Dreams. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I know. I remember the, the, that was one good. Yeah, yeah. So, Days past. of Future yeah. Past. It was, but it's just one of those things where I love. Um, the X Men. I mean, I loved the comics in the eighties and nineties. I loved the um box show probably more than anything. Oh hell yeah! Like, that that Batman and the anime, Batman and the animated series. Oh, I mean, it was just the best. That's child. Along right with there. the Disney afternoon was probably the hell best yes. part of life. But it was um, it really it, and those shows actually still stand up on like dude seriously, most, most especially of, Batman and the animated. Oh, series, without man. a doubt. Like, but it's holy um, crap. but that's actually where I cast everything from. When you talk about like um series, that's where I cast um the x-men from and one of the big ones that i think they they finally nailed was um and this is uh, my last thing on this um proper scale was colossus and deadpool because that's a yes, hard one to that's do. totally yeah, that how good. big 
Colossus yep. should be. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a perfect one where they got in with the voice, yep. you know, Agreed. and just nailed it. Yeah, definitely good. Um, you guys, uh, you guys see that uh, Ready Player One trailer? You know, uh-huh. I, I I watched it. I haven't read the book, and I'm not really that familiar. And mm-hmm. I kind of don't get why people are like into that. Well, I okay. I, I mean, I hate the book. I think the book is absolute garbage. Well, um, I had to read about it to understand why the Iron Giant right. was fighting Freddy. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like it, to me when I read the description of it, it kind of mm-hmm. seems like a massive Tron ripoff. Yeah, I could see that. I and, guess I mean it's more of a Willy Wonka ripoff than anything. Honestly, well, yeah, like yeah. except the Chocolate Factory is Tron. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's I like, hope that goes on the poster. Yeah, except yeah. the Chocolate Factory is Tron. Like there's the the ellipses, <laughs> yeah, so, and then so, it's like well, I'll explain. basically it's like a kid who lives in the future mm-hmm. where there's like a fantasy VR world that's populated like like Second Life or Tron right. except all the avatars are like you know characters pop from the culture. 80s. Yeah, well yeah. it's like it's like basically like a future where they worship pop culture but yeah. specifically like pop culture of like of of the things that we're nostalgic for right now. Yeah. And I mean there's like, you know, perfect example in there is there's like a part where it's like, you know, we studied the the works of the great masters like Steven Spielberg, George Lucas and of course Kevin Smith. You know, like that's, that's really in the book. That's really like word for word in the fucking book, dude. And it's like literally in the book. There's, I mean, okay. So you probably saw the that DeLorean. Sounds like, that sounds like such a wild stallions line. It's I just so have to interject dumb, that right it's now. So this, dumb. This seems like something that would appeal to like that fake geek culture. Like I learned about this from Wikipedia. Well, and it's not even know? fake geek it's culture. Funny, it's like it, that it's that overzealous fanboy. Yeah, that's you know, what I think. Like, this is yeah, the, yeah. This is the universe of T Fury. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it, dude. Because here's is. the deal. Because I'm sure you saw the DeLorean in the trailer. Okay, I, okay. Well, there, yeah. there's a, the the DeLorean from Back yeah. to the Future is in the trailer, um, and he drives that. Like the main dude drives that in the Matrix or whatever in in the book. But in the book, it's a DeLorean with the Ghostbuster symbol on the side and the kit light from Knight Rider on the front. Oh, my okay? God. Ah! So fucking right. It's the T-Fury wow. universe. Dude, you nailed it. And that's exactly well, that's it. that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. The, 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 Jeez. It it's literally is is that you realize I, – I, I understand where Victor is coming from with the fake geek thing. And I'm, I, I, it's, it's harsh, but it's well, honest. Yeah, bas- it really is Basically, this. the other thing I, I understand about this is like – so there's this guy, there's like, you know, two guys created this fake universe, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, and this dude is going to leave it to somebody when he dies, because there's really Easter eggs that, yeah. that yeah. you have to, like, find, and it's like... It's like, like the great game that yeah, they're like all trying to play, basically. Tetris puzzles You're trying to find the golden ticket instead of, you know, like... trivia. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just randomly getting the golden yeah. ticket in a thing, you're trying to actually figure out clues that are embedded, like, because if you know your pop culture enough, and you're smart enough in pop culture, then you get the keys to the kingdom, you know? And it's yeah, just like... Yeah, so basically, like, it, it, it's like one of these, like, um, what do you call that when you put yourself in the story of Mary Sue... Uh-huh. It's like the Mary Sue geek fantasy. Right, right. <laughs> like, I know a lot about geekery. Well, no, I'm just saying they're going like, well, my philosophy <laughs> or lesbian dance theory degree didn't work out, but uh-huh. I know a lot about pop 
pop culture. So right. Right. that's going to go great. So, like, Ernest Klein just drives me up the freaking wall. I find the guy insufferable. Like, he was on that, um, I don't know if you guys ever watched that documentary um, that was about unearthing the E.T. landfill. Yes. I did see that. Yeah, I did see um, that so one. he features heavily in that. Really? Like, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. Okay. He, he's, like, one of, I guess, the guys that was, like, funding it or whatever. Um, but so, like, he pulls up in that, like, in his DeLorean because he has oh, an actual DeLorean. Oh, I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I was wondering who that yeah. guy yeah. even and was. And I just, I find Ernest Klein to be just an insufferable douchebag. Um, and the things, so so the thing about um, about Ready Player One that seems interesting. The main guy is the guy who is Cyclops. In yeah, the yeah, yeah, um, I got us. I mean, I. I don't know, man. It's Spielberg. Like, I just trust Spielberg. Spielberg has given me no reason not to trust him lately. Genuinely. Well, I mean, what has he made lately? I mean, the the BFG he made last year. Which oh, I you think really is, liked that I movie. love that yeah. movie. I think that movie's gorgeous. Like, yeah. um, and I mean, you know, even movies, you know, movies like Bridge of Spies, stuff like that, they're still very good movies. But I mean, dude made Minority Report. He made, I mean, I, I, I think his. I do really like Minority Yeah, Report. and his War of the Worlds, I, like I think, I is awesome. I tuned out of Steven Spielberg movies the last right. 10 years. I think a lot of people yeah. have, but I still think he's got it. Like, I don't think Spielberg's lost it at all. And when I see those things, like, you know, just the the I mean, like all AI the cops is just so bad though ai is pretty bad well yeah. okay hey, look I, I the middle section of ai is awesome okay rouge city mm-hmm. and the flesh fair and all of that is awesome but the beginning is terrible the end is terrible the middle section of ai is really good yeah um you know but but here's the thing and this is where i i have pause because i think when i look at this i'm like dude steven spielberg like doing this i think could really make this good but then i see screenplay by ernest klein and zach penn and i'm zach like, penn really yes uh, ernest klein and zach penn like to the point where they're like average you know ernest klein <laughs> that's like akiva, akiva yeah yeah akiva goldman's uh yeah. goldsman yeah. yeah um and they they say from the oh what what was it what was the line that they used in the trailer from the pop culture bible or something like that yeah like, that's what oh they called my it god it's so so anyway i just i, I think that's I, I'm interesting i'm going to say this i'm like i don't think there's anything novel about this movie right. because we live in a world where we just had lego lego the lego movie right. and Wreck-It Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph. agreed yes so like there's nothing pixels yeah, Pixels. That's yeah. three movies that have yep. already done yeah. this. Correct. Li- this mashup kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I'm like, am I really that into like see? Well, or even the, the Lego Batman movie does it too because um, he's oh, fighting like more Dumbledore. So. Yeah. I would and, say it does uh, it even more honestly um, than, than Lego. I would, movie I would say the Pixels though and, is the number one where you hit on though. Like I'm putting myself in it. Like right. that generation, the King of Kong kind of thing. Uh-huh. Like I could do this, right. but you can apply it to anything. You can apply it to modern video games, modern trivia, yeah. like or um, the pop culture trivia. You can say anything. It's just like it's like that's my superpower. Yeah, and it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Unless like, and it's like yeah, you could be doing that. You could be like an esports mm-hmm. champion. Sure. Until like some seven year old from Taiwan beats you, but that's cool. Like whatever I feel happens like there's, first. Like, like a, there's it, to me, it's more creative to come up with your own original things rather right. rather than like write a book where you have like you're writing in an Ecto One kit like Ugh. DeLorean. God. That's fucking stupid. I'm well, sorry. I just, whatever. I just think I literally sec- threw the book. Just when I read you that telling part. me about it. it. 
the, you just describing it, both of you just, I haven't watched the trailer. I'm just like, <laughs> God, I can't wait to get my free pop Funko when I go see it. Like, oh. that's going to be amazing. Right. But I mean, well, you know, like, Funko's probably like, fucking jizzing at the thought of this movie <laughs> act out ready player one on your desk right, everybody right, right. Yeah, yeah it's it's um it's, the one thing that makes me feel good about this situation is that like i've been on a lot of like message boards and everything revolving around this you know the trailer mm-hmm. and like i would say 75 percent of the people out there feel exactly the same way like this book is absolute trash gonna, everyone's gonna see it so not to mention yeah. it's got it's got really really awfully written female characters it's the actual craft of the writing is just completely amateurish um it's so bad and the, the worst crime of it is that it's about this world that's obsessed with pop culture nostalgia but yet it doesn't say anything about it it's not using that to any to actually I, I try and make really a point wonder like with as prevalent as mashup culture is is this going to be like the titanic of the mashup culture? well what it is, is is that what to me it is is it's the uh it's the growing i mean over the last 10 10 15 years of i'm a screenwriter it's like no you write fanfics that's that's what you do you are literally a fanfic author that somehow got a lucky break but i mean i literally people get up you know are like oh this and that it's like oh it's forgettable i'm like i wish i'd written twilight like one easy (laughs) template to write off of if i could have made half a billion dollars doing this i'd sell my soul i don't give a shit Mm -hmm. and it's because but not because it's like oh here man it's not like punk rock or something i'm just saying you just take something that that element of hey, I'm going to put something in there, and one of the easiest things to do is, I mean, one of the things you want the most is a teenage audience. Now, I love stuff like Harry Potter and and some other things, but what I'm saying is, is that they're all though in the same template in the end. Some are better than others, but the fanfic thing, I mean, I think it's even more amazing that they did the Twilight fanfic and it became Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. Well, <laughs> and you got this too. vanilla bullshit. It, it's sold like, to suburban moms. It's like, oh, here's another half a billion. In that trailer, I mean, that's the only thing that stuck out to me was Freddy Krueger fighting the Iron Giant. Yeah. And it's like, like one, like, what would even be the point of that? <laughs> so you can look at, because it's, it's for you. It's the one point. Which you know, I, that's just, awesome. No, 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 there's just no one. I, I mean, I'm putting myself in this position, like, okay. I'm in front and in front of you in the theater, and you go, ah, oh, it's awesome. Then you saw the Kit DeLorean Ghostbuster mobile <laughs> Ecto One bullshit, and you're like, oh, fuck this, and that's you because I'm there with you. Yeah. Like, it's a hundred percent. Like, no, like to me, it's like there is a point where there is a Freddy versus Jason movie, right? Okay, right. Two hours long of two of a mashup. Now it's like a throwaway background mm-hmm. thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, even the Lego movies make a bigger deal out of this. And, yeah. Like, Wreck and Ralph created their own analogs of these characters. Like, sure. how Fix It Felix is Mario. Sure. But sure. he's not. And yeah. how, like, Wreck It Ralph is, is Donkey Kong. Donkey yeah, yeah, Kong. totally. You know, but they're, you know, you're invested somehow because yeah. it's like. They're not those little characters they can go off and have their but own But more life. than anything, uh, Wreck-It Ralph is using that story to tell a lesson. Yeah. I mean, it's talking about things, right? And it's talking about the roles that we're in and how, you know, that, that just because this guy is painted as a bad guy, it doesn't mean that maybe the lot in life that he yeah. has isn't necessarily fair. And, you know, it, it, things like that, right? And how Yeah, you the can movie's break, about right. archetypes right. and learning a life lesson. Yeah, I exactly. I can't imagine there's any point in this. It just yeah. Looked- 
kind of stupid. Yeah. When the, there's a film, and then you have something like Pixels, where you you're gonna probably have a pretty good time to a point, but it's just gonna gonna be forgettable in the end. I'm not gonna remember any of these, and that's my problem. Like uh, circling back to the thing, it, I it, with, still hate Pixels. Oh, yeah, right. I, well, I, I I loved that movie. <laughs> yeah, you and I Adam. Just, to me, it's just like the whole thing I where at the end it. he ends up fucking Huber. It just yeah. So oh, weird. that's so dumb. Dude. Yeah, but oh, it's just God. one of those ones where I have a where we're at a thing where it's just kind of at a point. Just this is general like the sdcc trailers all the hall h hype and all this stuff like for me it's it's just at a point where i mean we're just moving way too fast the only reason people are cramming into any of that is because what our culture is focused on is who's seen it first heard it first Mm -hmm. knew it first and it's literally at the right oh god like jizzing because oh i saw the justice league trailer before anywhere infinity (laughs) wars and it's it's just I I hate that sentiment. It's like it's like going to a concert. Like you're talking about the thing, and the whole way through, it's my phone's yeah. up, holding it. Now I film bands sometimes, yeah, and I like to share it. I I love seeing. I like reliving some of the things, but yeah. you know, I enjoy it yeah. too. I've got a rule: like I record no more than about one minute thirty of any show I'm ever at. That's it. I take a song that I really like. I record about a minute and a half of it, yeah. and then that's it. And I put because if you're watching away. it on a through a screen, you might as well just get yeah. the concert DVD, right? You right. Know? Well, it's really funny. Like um, I think last year uh, I went to uh, the Lucha Underground at the State Fairgrounds, right? And uh, there was a match there I really wanted to see. It was uh, Pentagon fighting Neil Muertas, which hadn't happened at all on TV. In fact, still hasn't happened on TV. Right. You know? um, I think it's only happened once, and they're like, you know, it's going to come up maybe later this year that it's all pre taped. You know, so I filmed that match, right? And I put it on YouTube, and it's got like almost 200,000 views, mm-hmm. right? The, fir- the, th- the comment I always get is, were the other matches? Yeah, dude. Wow. I'm not gonna record. When are you gonna thing. upload the rest of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude. I mean, that you should be happy. I was in the front row. I got a really good shot. You know, seriously. And be happy with that. Yeah, but that's also, and that's the entitlement culture too. That just is right. per, is beyond pervasive. I've never known. I listen anyway, to a lot it just of. It gets uh, worse and worse all the time. I listen to a lot of compilation. Like you'll, you know, I'm in the mood for Waylon Jennings. Top fifty. Oh no! Here's a good. Here's a good uh, example. Last Friday, I was at work, and right when I got there, I was like, "I want to listen to Bad Religion." So I found uh, on YouTube two hours, the best of Bad Religion, yeah. like every song, you know. So I put that. I listened to the whole thing. I put the whole thing on. You're right. Every comment underneath was. Oh, where's this song? Well, why'd you leave this song out? Well, what about this song? People are, are and I'm like, terrible. dude, you couldn't put the guy didn't know that was your specific favorite bad religion song. Yeah, I better right. add that one in. These were the ones he liked. Yeah, make your own freaking video. You know, seriously. Yeah, but even yeah, oh, it's gone. I was just gonna say you have to get to a point, and this is kind of where I'm at with, for example, and I'm gonna segue this into movies in a minute, but. Action figures. I collect action figures. I used to never open them. Uh-huh. And I would stress myself out over keeping those packages in mint condition. And, you know, we'd move and I've got, like, peanut pack and, and fucking those bubble wrap. And I'm just, and then if I unpack it 
and that corner's dog-eared. I'm like, God damn it! You know, I'm pissed off. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, and it took enough years of my wife going, you've got all this shit, and you don't even open it and enjoy it. You're more upset about the packaging. And I realized, you're absolutely right, and I ripped all my shit open. You know, I've only, I've got a couple, I have a couple of figures that are still in, like, I've got a um, Army of Darkness Ash that's still in the package, and I think I've got a, a Todd McFarlane Spawn that's signed by Todd McFarlane. Mm-hmm. That's still in the package. Sure. Everything else I open now because I got this point. Like, yeah, I got all this cool shit. I don't enjoy it. Well, I'm too busy yeah. stressing I'm over. I'm keeping my my Dutch in the thing because he's got you the villain arm. Because it's yeah. got the it's got the <laughs> yeah, Carl exactly. Weathers it's arm. It's so good, dude. But it's the same thing. I think we get to the point. It's with, like peeking in off the side. It's like where's he at? He's like right? off camera. With nice. but with like with movies, I think you can get to the point. It's nice every once in a while to get a movie like Pixels or like the upcoming uh, Jumanji movie where you're not going into a movie looking for a deep message or great acting or anything like that. I'm going to go into this movie. It's going to be totally stupid. And I'm going to laugh my ass off at the stupid jokes, you know, yeah. and that and that and it's refreshing because you're not sitting there in your mind going, um, Man, I wonder what's this gonna, you know, what's it gonna grow? So, you know, some movies you want to do that with, and it's fun to do that with. But every once in a while, it's good to just chill out and do something stupid. And this movie is going to be in the Dollar Theater in two weeks, and I will be there to watch it. You know, that type of thing. But Pixels did exactly what it was supposed to do. It appealed to my nostalgia of playing Atari when I was seven years old. And I'm like, oh man, Pac-Man, Space Jasper just did the joystick you know. motion. Oh, I Universal did. Universal <laughs> for the joystick. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, it did exactly what, and I'm like, oh, that's funny. You know, the one-liners, oh, he cheated, ah, ha, you know? But uh, I wasn't, I went into it with no expectations, and I got exactly what I was looking for. Right. And that is the movie-going experience, I think. In its very essence. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need it. Yeah, no doubt. Simplified. Simplified. Simple. I mean, and you know, that kind of takes us to what we were talking about. The, the main meat of what, the movies of 30 years ago. Yes. When we were all yes. talking about nostalgia. I mean, Talk that's, here's the thing, guys. Like, I mean, look, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I've said this, I, I think I've said this like off air, but I believe there's two de- two years of the 1980s that stand head and shoulders above the rest in terms of the quality of the output. One of them is 1982. I mean, you've got Blade Runner, E.T., First Blood, Poltergeist, Tron. I mean, dude, the list goes on. 82 is incredible. Conan the Barbarian. Um, you know, but eight, but really, when you think about the things that people are super crazy nostalgic for right now, when people think about the 80s, I would say that probably the most, uh, iconic one is 1987 you know really um that to the me only like, movie the only movie 1987 is missing to make it probably the best iconic movie year ever is ghostbusters yeah I and would it say, only missed it by yeah. like a year i would say that and maybe yeah i mean you're right i mean i might say goonies because there's some serious uh, yeah, goonies goonies, nostalgia yeah. as well, well or like it big trouble would come out in right 87 yeah instead, right. of, instead of 86 yeah, yeah exactly well, 86 is also pretty solid. Oh, yeah. well i mean and the so 80s is, is solid yeah. all around but i really think the concentration of films in 1987 is just really really crazy it's um, insane yeah absolutely. arnold had a really good year that year too oh yeah yeah for sure he well, I did think- uh he did Predator, Running Man, and uh, oh yeah, I guess that was it. 
Oh, yeah, and uh, Stallone had a good year that year, too, with uh, Over the Top. Yeah, I mean, and Lethal Weapon. It is kind of too, funny so. to me that, like, Schwarzenegger made Predator and Running Man in the scene. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, in, in reality, I'm sure what happened is the Running Man was probably filmed, like, before yeah. Predator was. It was probably sitting on a shelf when uh, Arnie started to blow up. They're like, oh, shit, let's dust this one off. Yeah, you know, because well, that felt I'm... feels that way, right? The yeah. Running Man was probably way lower budget, and it ended up kind of blowing up. And it's weird because, like, I feel like I always thought Commando came out after Predator, like it was somehow. Right. Oh no, it was way before, and it was way before, which is really it was like nineteen eighty five, I think. Yeah, you know, but I guess that makes sense. I mean, I mean, Commando is still a solid movie, but like Predator is like apex, like. Like yeah. Schwarzenegger. I don't know if I brought this up, but I actually watched Commando for the first time ever. Like, I, it's that definitely while I've been on this podcast. What? I just think that maybe I didn't get a chance to bring it up. But yeah, I saw Commando for the first time like a month, month and a half ago or something. Yeah, like that. that's it's the beginning of that movie when he when they're showing off his biceps. Yeah, and everything. <laughs> it, it's so like the prototype of right. Jean Claude Van Damme movies. Yeah, it's definitely the movie with the best. Schwarzenegger one-liners in it. Oh yeah, it, does, it, it never gets ones. better. Than it's that. almost like it's weird. Like I almost there's a part of me that wonders if the guy who wrote uh, Commando ended up doing any Freddy movies because there's right? so many. Aside bad from puns. aside from <laughs> in Predi- aside from in Predator when they attacked the village and he threw the knife into that guy and he goes stick it out, stick it out. <laughs> yeah, dude. Remember awesome. when I told you I'd kill you last? I lied. I lied. It's totally like the McBain inspiration. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, bro! Like uh, Commando was written by Stephen E. D. Souza. Oh, God. yeah! Stephen Holy e. shit! D'Souza, That's who awesome. Wrote and directed Street Fighter with Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> oh Boom. man, that's crazy. I mean, he did. He did also write a little movie uh, called Die Hard. You know. Yeah. So and Forty Eight Hours. Um. So those are those are and. Uh, those are the big so ones, actually. So many good buddy movies. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. An uh, interesting one I did look up. It doesn't list the production date of the Ryan Man, but um, I literally never noticed this if I did, that it is the year 2017 in that movie. That's oh, one yeah. of the main it's reasons in the, why uh, I was planning to was show it, that. It does that in the, right in the, uh, in I, the I trailer. I really haven't watched it in so long. Wait, I didn't which even movie? remember. Ryan, uh, Ryan Man. Man. Dude, we they do, do that, that in the trailer, don't they? No, we'll probably it's do that 2017. It says story set in dystopian United States between 2017 and 2019, and then says 2017 was the actual. Yeah, what year was uh, by 2019 is when Ben Richards actually is convicted. Yeah, 2017 is when he the helicopter yeah the the butcher of Bakersfield. Yeah, Yeah, totally. So good. What year was uh, Escape from New York? What year was that? That was 97. That was like 1990. Escape from LA. You're thinking of Escape from New York. Yeah, and then oh, you're right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then Terminator 2: Judgment Day is 2019. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what? Sorry, I. And so is Blade Runner. Yeah. 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 I get get what you mean. In the future, but now it's the past. Well, there was something I was just... Well, yeah, because, like, uh, I guess Batty's incept date was this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. 
Um, yeah, Running Man is such an awesome movie, dude. Like, and one of my favorite things about that was like being a little kid and being like, this is based on a Stephen King story. And like, nobody knew that. Mm-hmm. And one of the coolest things about that is that in the actual opening credits of the Running Man, it says based on the, the novel by Richard Bachman. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cause it was before Stephen King was outed as Richard Bachman. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. That's such Which a cool thing. It's still my number one. It will never, ever ever get made it's not even being reprinted but in the bachman books rage is my oh, favorite one well, of my top five stephen king stories of all time that's intense if, it'll especially love, in a post columbine world yeah, it's never gonna well get it's made. never gonna he's yeah. already said yeah. publicly yeah. he'll never make it he doesn't want to impress <clears> anymore <throat> which is really disappointing yeah because i feel like that and app pupil mm-hmm. are the two most powerful say, stories he ever wrote this year is like the year of king adaptations oh yeah because yeah. last year like so all it right was now. was like that horrible cell adaptation with john yeah. cusack you know what though i don't think uh man i i even hate calling the dark tower a stephen king adaptation <laughs> yeah. just judging from the trailer i think that uh, movie's gonna be garbage it's absolutely gonna be garbage because because they should have made it into a show and not a movie. A series. Ruby's going to take the bullet on that one. Like oh, a yeah. Showtime series. <laughs> an HBO or Showtime hers. series okay, would have okay, been. That would have been a good thing. Because I guest. No, you, you get to take the bullet for Annabelle creation. Hey, I will do that. I will go. gladly that one, that volunteer for that all one. Over no, I, I, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm dying to see that one. We're going to take Jasper. So. I'll take Jasper. Take me. I'll go I can't go. Yeah, I can't go without my warrant. So. There we go with that. Uh-oh. But uh, we're missing the, the gem of 1987, which is my favorite movie of all time, The Lost Boys. Uh, that is a tr- terrific film. Um, that is my it favorite. Still movie holds up. I mean, yes. it, it holds up. I do feel that it is. I mean, Joel it's a Schumacher's little, best movie. Yes. That's. So, uh, it's uh, it's sexy and it's. Stylish. I'm sorry, I can't go. I mean, honestly, I fucking love Lost Boys, but it's no falling down. Like genuinely, what? I have to say, Falling Down is nah. Joel Schumacher's best film. That's a great movie. I do yeah. like Falling Down, but as yeah. compared to The Lost Boys, yeah. it doesn't. Well, I think they'll, they'll, I, I mean, it's kind of apples and oranges because they're two totally different. Yeah, they really are genres tr- of movie. Right. The true but, apples and oranges, or the the overshadows. The better point is, is that, of course, it's also your Near Dark was released. Yes, which yes. is one of the best vampire films ever yes. made. Even though it's never implicitly said, it exactly. is. Yeah. It is. And that's that was one of the cool things about it. It was also. The the I've always been fascinated by the idea of the vampire western mm-hmm. um, because it does really uh, you think of all that I mean I really think in the Anne Rice era yeah. you know and now it's like the underworld era of just it's either gothic or it's now uh, leather suit like pantsuit you know or not pantsuit bodysuit <laughs> right. pantsuit would be the Hillary Clinton world, right but that's cool um, it was uh, one of those ones though that I really feel that. Um, there were obviously the one thing everyone can say about 80s or 87 stuff is not only, as Victor kind of was talking on earlier, a lot of um, original ideas or really great ideas was also people just taking serious risks and doing just movies that they wanted to do. Yeah. Because I, you didn't have to put a lot of money into it to get a big <laughs> return back in the day. Yeah, and that whole idea of a Southwestern vampire story I really enjoy. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's very rarely ever done. Something that I think True Blood owes a lot to. You know, yeah. um, obviously that's not southwestern, that's, that's more, yeah. southern. Um, yeah. you know, that's but which it's is an still... Anne Rice style, but it was. <laughs> but instead of it was instead of being like the uh, uh, 
19th century style of that right. regal vampire. It was rednecks. And, and I like when of. I like the idea too of True Blood. There was also Kim Harrison had a series like that too, and um, the mother of all of them of the paranormal romances. Uh, who never gets her due uh, the way I feel she is. is um, if you say Laura K. Hamilton, Hamilton, I'm going to kick you. Oh, oh my I God. Will. She does not for, for, for being, I mean, for being out in the open. Dude, the first yeah. five books are great. What, which yeah, books? But what the, are we talking about? Okay, uh, Laura K. Vampire Hunter. Laura K. Hamilton, it, and you, it's a rabbit hole, but it, she got lost in the. For, you're right. The first five books are were great, incredible. And then she fucked it up because then she went down. And everybody was like, "Oh what man, are we, these books called? They're called Anita Blake, Blake Vampire, Vampire Hunter. Hunter. Oh, yeah. I really <laughs> but what it turns, popular. but what it turns into is Anita Blake. How many people can I fuck, fuck. in one yeah, book? Exactly. They're terrible. And it ruined it. it oh beca- yeah, it completely. Killed it became it. total eroticism this because is, that's this what is the our, fans. Um, were, uh... This is Jasper and I's paranormal <laughs> NPR, paranormal romance. I was going to but... say, oh, hang on, we're not doing it right. <sighs> the book was really well done. I really <laughs> enjoyed well the way done. that um, that's our NPR voices. <laughs> and it just proves that Victor and Especially I can. My balls. Uh, Kirby and I are capable of being quiet. <laughs> Isn't that the, uh, the problem eventually with all horror authors? I mean, look actually, at no, because well, Kim this Hat- is specifically the paranormal romance yeah. genre, which is now kind of like. But at the time, though, those books were being written in the aftermath of obviously like Anne Rice's Paramount influence. What I was saying though is, is that True Blood thing is, is that that happens in Anita Blake's and in Kim Harrison's novels. But yeah, you Kelly Armstrong, Kim it's Harrison, that that, yeah. that Kim Harrison, uh, The Hollows, that whole series is freaking incredible yes. and she never gave i don't think she ever really gave into that uh let's make it more romantic no, because that's what people like and uh even when she branched off into different directions it was incredible but i think um where i was going with this is the world all those worlds is um that people are aware of the uh paranormal it's all out in the open yeah like the supernatural like right, all these creatures right which is you know commonplace now but i mean i do think that that's a really hard way to walk and i do think um some films you know obviously in this era and stuff tried to do that a little bit um but they're all still kind of hidden it's 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 kind of a weird i i like i always think of um you know obviously like the dream warriors and stuff like that like the freddy mythology being like a mass psychosis in a way is like the way it's treated um or even like um, mythology driven like the incredible Hellraiser, which is one of my favorite films of also all time. 19, also, nineteen eighty-seven. All eighty-seven. Let, yeah. let me do this real quick. I, I want to do this real quick, just for the listeners. If you haven't pulled this up on your phone and looked already, I'm just going to read you this list that I have in front of me, just from typing in hit movies from nineteen eighty-seven, and I'll do it quickly. Predator, Lost Boys, A Nightmare on Elm Street three, Hellraiser, The Princess Bride, Lethal Weapon, Full Metal Jacket, RoboCop. Beverly Hills Cop 2, Good Morning Vietnam, Dirty Dancing, Fatal Attraction, Adventures in Babysitting, Overboard, Jaws of Revenge. We'll skip that one. Jaws the, and uh, Superman no, 4, The Quest for Peace. No, you don't need to skip Jaws 4. That's Michael Caine's shining oh my moment, God. man. The Untouchables, <laughs> Harry and the shock. Hendersons. Uh, there's a shock. So a shock on the beach. <laughs> Evil Dead 2, Monster Squad. He wants Evil revenge. <laughs> Batteries not included, Spaceballs, Three Men and a Baby, Dragnet, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Masters of the Universe, Police Academy 4, Creepshow 2, Inner Space, Angel Heart, The Last Emperor, Mannequin, 
Uh, no Way Mannequin. Out. Mannequin. Prince yeah, of I Darkness. Thought Mannequin was so much later. Yeah, Can't Buy Me earlier. Love. Witches of Eastwick. Raising Arizona. Uh, Empire of the Sun. House 2. The Running Man. Near Dark. Over the Top. Wall Street. Roxanne. Hamburger Hill. Prom Night 2. Revenge of the Nerds 2. And The Living Daylights. And holy crap. And Harry he, he did. He and the it. motherfucking Henderson. Right? Yeah, exactly. And and hey, everybody's forgetting the best movie of 1987. Well, not really, because Robocop is the best movie of 1987. <laughs> Mo- Moonstruck? But, uh, Moonstruck? Uh, no. Fucking oh. The Hidden, man. The Hidden. Oh, The Hidden wasn't on my list. Yeah, well, yeah, there's uh, a few that yeah. were missed, but Well, these were hit movies. Yeah, these yeah, were only, yeah, yeah. Those were only the hits. Right. We're not right, even yeah. talking about The Hidden yeah, or like Gems. Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Well, no, right. he got that Evil was, Dead 2. Uh, yeah. But, um, but we're not... Well, that wasn't really a hit when it came yeah, out. Yeah, no. Guess, but, but uh, it's considered one now. But we're not even talking about The Hidden Horror Gems that probably yeah. were straight Police to video. Academy Force. I was just going to say, The Lost Force. David Spade skateboarding. That's all I ever needed. That's the one that spawned the cartoons and uh-huh. all the toys. Yeah. What? Then. Which one? Police Academy Four. Oh yeah, the horrible Police Academy cartoon. That was the yeah. one on the poster where they're all in a, a hot air balloon. Yes. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. Police Academy One is like really raunchy. It's like it is. Yeah, oh, I yeah. Really watched oh, yeah. it. And I was like, I'm pretty sure they could never. Make oh no. This yeah, because they just now. added it to Netflix. Part yeah. Four was the first one that I saw. Yeah. And yeah, so, so you know, I mean, and it's so it's like I, a yeah. weird reboot. Good old yeah, yeah. Bobcat Goldwing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then so like, and it was weird because like when I went back and rewatched, it, and I was like, wait a minute, Zed is a bad guy yeah. you know and it was like wait a minute what like it was weird seeing right. show down at guy. his lair yeah exactly that's in the zoo yeah, yeah. yeah. well because even me. some of the bad movies that year awesome like dragnet like dragnet is so good there is nothing bad about dragnet hell no i will agree with that movie was awesome weird it's a weird movie because like you know dragnet the tv show is oh sure oh you know what we talked about this last week yes studios taking a serious show making a comedy yeah dragnet is the one example of is, it or is being done yeah, perfectly the, where yeah. it works. I mean, well, yeah, there's a few examples of that. Because, right. um, like, uh, the partner on Dragnet, Joe Friday's partner, was also, like, a straight arrow. And here they kind of made yeah. it, right. like, it's almost like, it's weird, it's almost like a lethal weapon thing. Yes. Right. It's kind of, like, yes. goofy and, like, a street smart kind of guy. Right, right. And then, like, the main plot of that movie is so weird with, like, Christopher Plummer being Dude. in charge of a satanic Pagan? Cult. Yes. Pagan, Pagan? is yeah. something yeah. I bring up every time people are like, what? Awesome. what is the name of your crew? Or y'all make some up like, people against good niceness. And people are like, what? And I was like, The Pagan. virgin Connie Swale? When yeah. they so awesome. do... Dun, 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 dun. When they do... You're not going to sacrifice the virgin Connie Swale. <laughs> Tell me, do these look like the breasts of a 40-year-old woman to you? <laughs> when they did... Amos. My brother and I Amos. did the uh, goat dance a yes. million times. I was when, totally... Oh, well, was God, drag- Here's the other thing. I think if I remember right, the Dragnet movie is like a sequel to the TV show. Yeah. Like Joe yeah, yeah. Friday was... Joe it's his, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it was a good it tie-in. Worked. Yeah. It's, it's one of the... It's just hilarious. That's one of those ones where you In just my think opinion, of, like, the Tom Hanks era of, like... Right. That's, Turner like, peak, and peak, peak Tom Hanks, big, in my opinion, the birds, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. This was, like, the golden... The first golden age of Tom Hanks. Without a doubt. You right, know, the right. nothing in common, yep. the punchline. Yeah, right. punchline. The one... He, like, oh, he's acting opposite Jackie Gleason, you guys. Right. This is a big deal. Right, You right. know? And he'd done Splash and all... And this is like, no, no. He's a star now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a good story about Dragnet. That movie yes. is uh, when that movie came out, there was also a craze in the t-shirt industry. The little rascals were making a comeback, 
and buckwheat or uh, alfalfa, especially on buckwheat. I remember that. Yeah. And they had they had spoof shirts. And when Dragnet came out, they had a Bucknet shirt with alfalfa and buckwheat on it. Wow. And it said, just the facts, Otay. And I had that shirt, and yeah. it was amazing. That that was wow. like one of two like t-shirt trends I remember I, right? vividly. I remember that one, and I remember it just started when you're like, why does everybody have buckwheat shirts? Yeah. And then the other one was like, when everyone suddenly had Bart Simpson t-shirts. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. And then the it early just became like, 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 like the Calvin thing, like. Oh, your Bart Simpson has dreadlocks and yes. he's Jamaican. And he's smoking Why? a bowl. Yeah, like it just became super weird. My Is Bart that Simpson the creation shirt, of Tea Fury? Pretty much. <laughs> My Bart Simpson was also like uh Jordan, he was Duncan. Yeah. yeah. It was like a I Jordan remember that shirt, too. Or, or they had the black Bart Simpson. Yeah. And he was like he was like the the, the Jamaica one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. He's like don't have a cowmon or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There was the early uh, Simpsons toys, especially, are so weird looking. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, it's every time I see them on like line or something, they look stoned. They all look stoned. It's it's so the early Simpsons era is just amazing. And and Dragnet Dabney Coleman playing basically Hugh Hefner. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Oh my god, dude, that's such a good movie. And the rap. Do you remember the rap where they actually had Tom Hanks? Yes. Yes. Oh my god! Just, I love just, that our just, uh, just effects, man. Eighty-seven yeah. episode turned into a dragon. <laughs> well, no, it's weird too. Like Dabney Coleman was all over the eighties. He's actually one of my favorite eighties movies. That like almost is almost a better version of the whole Ready Player One thing we we're talking about. Cloak, Cloak and, and Dagger. Dagger. Oh my god! That was the movie I got introduced uh, to. I think it, it. I would venture to guess. Okay. That if we were to look at all of the movies that have played cult classics uh-huh. and we were to write all the years, I think 87 would be the one with the most cult You're classics. You're probably right. You know? I mean, honestly, just looking at this list, Predator, Lost Boys, Robocop, Princess Bride. Evil Dead 2, Princess Bride. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, no, I mean. I think you probably have a point Yeah. There. You know what's kind of weird is, is that, you know, they always make jokes, you know, you think of like, uh armageddon deep impact and uh what do you call it dante's peak and sure. volcano mm-hmm. but it's really weird that like movies that are not necessarily copies but you gotta know the studios kind of knew each other like batteries not including inner space right. uh, empire yeah. of the sun and the last well Emperor. that's all the spielberg yes. or yeah. it was it wasn't a thing where like people would back off like oh you're yeah exactly making that like that was one of the things in electric uh boogaloo the canon documentary uh-huh. when they split up both of them like were racing to make Lombada movies. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. like they had Lombada and, and the Forbidden Lombada Dance. The Forbidden yeah, Dance. Yep. yeah, that part was great. Totally, and theirs man. was horrible. Yeah, well, they were both horrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, movies. Princess Bride. Um, I mean, is obviously one of the best movies in 1987. Wow. Tremendous film. It's so um, weird. This is one of the first movies I can remember, or years I can remember going and seeing movies in the theater. Me too. I yeah. would say I was about like 85, 86, yep. but 87. I really remember going and seeing like. And it's funny that there's weird things. I always think of certain weird movies like Three Men and a Baby came out in mm-hmm. 87. Yep. And seeing that, and I always remember seeing Look Who's Talking. Well, yeah, I, down I the line, just but interesting. A lot. Like, like I, yeah. I very much remember going to the movie, and not even remembering the specific movie, but seeing the poster for some kind of wonderful. Right. Part. Like, mm-hmm. like, it, like there's a few posters. Like, I remember 
being in a movie theater and seeing the poster for Haunted Honeymoon yeah. the year before. Yeah. Because it was just kind of like... Oh, yeah. The, I think for guys like us, which are big movie guys, that's yeah. like a big formative thing. Like, um, I have this very, very clear memory of being at the Glendale Drive-In. Um, and which, I mean, I don't know if you've, if any of you've been to Glendale drive-in yep. recently, no, not recently, like it no. has not changed. It's like, ex- the, you go, you walk into that room, like into the big uh, snack bar area. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is, uh, the posters are different, but that room, I, even the paint, I swear to God is the same. Wow. Like it has not changed since the eighties. So it's like a serious blast in the past. If you ever went there as a kid. Um, and I have this clear memory of being in there and looking at a poster for true blood mm-hmm. or not, not true. Uh, first blood, first blood, first, um, oh, yeah. and the original first blood. So, I mean, it, that post, I mean, it had to have been early 82. Yeah, I'm probably like four years old sitting yeah. there looking at that. But I still have that clear memory. Um, but, yeah, man, like, I mean, with 87, like, I mean, just obviously Lost, Lost Boys is the first uh, cult classics I ever went to. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, that is just a seriously awesome movie. Um, but it's, uh, you know, also, I mean, like Beverly Hills Cop 2. That's an awesome freaking that, movie, dude. I think Beverly Hills Cop 2 is That's like better the, than one. Well, yeah, I do think it's better. It's Tony than Tony Scott, man. Well, there, there's here, there's there's a couple schools of thought on this. Like, I feel, <laughs> feel like Beverly Hills Cop, the first one, like it didn't really need a sequel, right? Yeah. But then Beverly Hills Cop Two is like the blueprint of an '80s movie. It right? is. It is. Like Tony Scott, like I think he, I think between him and um and uh you know with uh with Lethal Weapon um with uh what was done with with uh you know Richard Donner and Lethal Weapon yeah like they kind of defined so many of the tropes of yeah. what you think of as action films eighties action films you know def I, I think even more than Die Hard frankly which mm-hmm. I think Die Hard is a is a better film than either one of those two films like yeah. on its own but in terms of what you you think about like when i think about hot fuzz right you know i think about like what are they really lampooning in hot fuzz it's lethal weapon right it's a lot of the things in in beverly hills uh, cop 2 the thing that's really interesting too with like you know lethal weapon or beverly hills cop 2 or just some of these movies it's like that's you know it's a prototype movie with the guy with like like this is the guy right and they're actually acting yeah, like in Beverly Hills Cop too. It's still it's like Eddie Murphy at the top of his like movie. Like he's the Will Smith of right. the '80s at this point. Yeah, you know, and he knows it, and he's being like fucking funny every other minute. Yeah. Judge Reinhold is like the perfect straight man, dude. Seriously, but not only that, you have Bridget Nielsen, yeah, with no, like her awesome '80s sunglasses oh, yeah. totally, and white trench totally coat, 80s. you know. And it's like the plot of that movie is so fucking stupid, yeah, but it works because it's an '80s movie, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. oh yeah, we're the world's best bank robbers, and then like <laughs> there's a part where you're supposed to take hugh hefner seriously as yeah. an authority figure like oh i don't want you on my property like like hugh hefner would give a fuck <laughs> right, right you know get i'm getting kicked out of the playboy man oh my god oh, you know oh uh, there is a movie i want to give a shout out to from 1987 which is a movie that really hardly anyone ever talks about but is a movie i absolutely love um which is uh the witches of Eastwick um, right. by George Miller, of course, of Mad Max fame. Um, and that's, that's, it's like, <laughs> it's one of those films that is like, Hey, this is the guy that did Mad Max along with babe and babe pig in the city. You know, that it's just like a lot of people 
don't think about mm-hmm. the fact that the guy that did Mad Max did this movie. But I think that there's a direct line that you can take from the filmmaking involved in The Witches of Eastwick. And then you can directly trace that. And it is so George Miller. I mean, I feel the same way, frankly, about Babe and Babe, Babe Pig in the City. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you watched Babe Pig in the City and Mad Max Fury Road together, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, you know, this That's is the really same fucking weird. filmmaker. <laughs> it is. Like, it's totally, it's more weird that he ended up, like, applying all these things that are, like, distinctive George Miller tropes to a movie like Babe. And I think more Babe Pig in the City. Babe Pig in the City is like a really kind of bonkers film, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that movie. But, but Witches of Eastwick, I mean, it's like you have Jack Nicholson completely hamming it up, right? Um, and you've got like these three at the time, uber actresses, super popular. I mean, you've got Cher. The same year that fucking Moonstruck came oh, out. Oh yeah, this okay. was Cher's year, right? You yeah. know, yeah. You've got you've got Michelle Pfeiffer, you've got Susan Sarandon, um, you know. But then you you've you've also got um, uh, you know. I mean, it, I mean, it's just that movie is so freaking like weirdly dark. Right. Um, you well, know. I think well, Jack Nicholson plays the devil in this movie. Yeah, and I'm exactly. like a hundred percent sure that the reason he really he is got, the devil. He, well, oh. yeah, that's true. <laughs> The only reason he got cast as the Joker in Batman was, was because of, of that. Right, yeah. right. And, yeah. okay, we're going to uh, Jasper after dark a little bit here. Uh-huh. If anybody's interested, there's also a uh, Cinemax, a Skinamax spoof of this movie called The Witches of Breastwick. <laughs> oh, <God>. If <laughs> uh, anybody wants to look that up. And there's That's actually incredible. two of those, and they're both amazing. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, you've got also Veronica Cartwright in this movie mm-hmm. that she's just being so, she's so good in it too. I mean, Veronica Cartwright's always great. Yeah. Okay. She's one of the, like, those solid, like, supporting characters. Right. I mean, right. she's still in things. I mean, I still really liked her in Alien and Invasion of the Body. Oh, Saturday. sure, sure. Yeah, For absolutely. Sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to give that one a shout out because I love the Witches of Eastwick. I mean, I think that it's it's just nobody talks about it. I mean, it's it's. I think maybe people think about it like a chick flick, like on the same level you think of like a, a like a Steel Magnolias, but it's so. No, not it's, that. you know what I always think of it as is is I always think of Death Becomes Her. I there, love that, there was that this, movie. That there was this weird subgenre that kind of got built around, and I don't mean it weird in the well, sense. Yeah, it like, just it's just strange that. Like people yeah, were able like to carve out a magic. little bit of a yeah car- cottage industry for right. this that really I mean had not been for that film and a few others probably like some ideas that proceeded I do think of there's a weird thing in horror where I feel like um the um Stepford Wives Rosemary's Baby the Omen all of them have this very interesting society or suburban, you know, setting or um, aspirations. And I feel like that's what I always think of, Um, you know, and they're all just kind of intermingled, you know. I think that's kind of what The Burbs was all about. Yeah, The Burbs, too, is another film. Well, the other thing, too, about, like, 1987 is it's really shocking looking at the list. How many of the movies that came out that year are original films? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. not sequels to things. Totally. It's just, like, original. Things that spawn sequels in yeah. a lot of cases. There's, like, yeah. maybe two sequels that year. Yeah. There's, qu- there's a couple. Uh, Evil Dead 2. Revenge of the Nerds 2. Yeah. I mean, but, but it is Prom Night. Which was a superior, Prom Night 2 was superior. Oh, Oh, yeah, that might as well have been the first one. Right. Pretty much ignored. Except for they fucking 
they had the ultimate paper cutter death scene and they fucked it up. Really? That's the only thing I hate uh-uh. about that. That has got to be like one of like people always think of the drain, the food, dis- the oh, garbage yeah. disposal. My number one is I guess because I've worked in so many offices is I'm always worried like. Ah shit! There goes my hand in the, uh, the shredder. The sh- in knowing the um, right, the paper cutter, the paper. Yeah. Cutter oh yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah, man! I think about it every time, but the only I way, still love that movie. The what one about, movie, what the what one movie where they handled the paper cutter really well was uh, the Faculty. The Faculty, the, yes, yeah. they did. <laughs> they also, yeah. I also uh, love the uh, d- like my two top paper shredder deaths are uh, Gremlins Two, the new batch. And uh, the tenth actually oh, yeah. is another great one. Yeah. Um, I, I want to yeah. do uh, an episode one of these days about like female obsession films. Yeah, like, I know we always yeah. talk about uh, Crush. Oh, I finally saw. Speaking Secretary. of also 1987, saw... the year of Fatal Attraction. <laughs> yes, true. I finally <laughs> saw Unforgettable the other day. Oh yeah, the one with um, what's what's her face from Roswell and Rosario Dawson that came out. Oh, the uh, Catherine Heigl. Yes, come back. Uh, yeah. Oh God, it's so amazingly terrible. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Cheryl Ladd totally is like the evil mother. I'm right. like, oh, this is such a bad movie. I love it. Um, True. So we've been having a Kirby and I had a little side conversation here. Uh-huh. Some kind of wonderful also came out in uh, 1987, and I'm looking at the poster and I'm like. Uh. It's a total ripoff of uh, Pretty in Pink. It's yeah. the Pretty in Pink poster. Well, then I go to Some Kind of Wonderful. I'm like, oh, produced by John Hughes. Oh, yeah. That explains a whole lot. They're both, I believe, <laughs> written by John Hughes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yes. they were. Yeah. But uh, apparently he also designs the covers for his movies. Yeah, that's funny. I think, yeah, probably what more. But if, like, if you well, want to have a good time on this, uh, yeah. You know. Uh, Google some kind of wonderful and then Google pretty and pink. Oh, and you'll dude. see what I'm talking about. Like, Mary Stuart Masterson was such like a formative thing for me, man. Yeah, that movie has like one of the strangest plots ever. Uh huh. Where like, uh, hey, you're you're wearing my future. <laughs> also, Eric, Eric's yeah. for those I was gonna say the young Eric Stoltz. Yeah, the young right. Eric Stoltz uh, has a thing for rich girl uh, Leah Thompson. Right. Yeah. So he decides to impress Leah Thompson by taking her on a date and like hires Mary Stewart Masterson, uh-huh. who's his friend. To pretend to be like his driver. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. just so weird. It's like a, almost like a you know princess who has a pony kind of. But date. There, there's like the scene where it's like because he like he's never had a girlfriend or whatever. He's never yeah. had a kiss, and Mary Stuart Masterson teaches him mm-hmm. how to kiss. Yeah. And so I, my first childhood crush was. Easily, Eric Thompson. It was, oh, yeah. it was Leah Thompson, <laughs> um, especially mask man. Dick's uh, already out. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, woof! Um, you got to stop. Slow down, guys. It's going to get really after dark. Um, so, I mean, Leah Thompson from Back to the Future was my first oh, crush. Yeah. But then, like, I can pinpoint the moment when my crush went from Leah Thompson to Mary Stuart Masterson, huh? and it was some some kind of wonderful. And it also was like a change from like now I don't like the the super popular pretty girl anymore i like the kind of bad girl like you know kind of musician girl right drums you know? in that film i was like yeah. this is so hot yes right now. exactly like, and also girls with short hair like i have mean, a yeah. girl drummer yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly so like you know definitely yeah i'm glad i'm glad we talked about some kind of waterfall i, I freaking love it's one of my favorite and then john just, hughes movies just a side note on eric stoltz i uh scored Killing Zoe on VHS at Zia last week. Nice, dude. I was nice. pretty excited about yeah, it. I, it was funny when he actually brought up, I was thinking of um, the Moonstruck Sherwin. I was thinking, well, you know, it's kind of funny with her film career. 
I, the first movie I remember seeing was Mask, and uh, Kathy Griffin was it, so good in that movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but it was her and that Ducks. was Morty, yeah. Uh. <laughs> but uh. was uh, I mean that sandwich between that that and Mermaids? Right? I think I Mermaids. Mean, she just had like such a. I think Mermaids like, came out the next year, right? No, it did, but it was just. I, I just think of her like her. Um, Mer- mask, Moonstruck, Mermaids. That's what I'm like saying. She had a she M- had a run right there. I will there. say that's the Mask is also one of the only movies where Sam Elliott has played a person of his time. Right. Yeah. Right. And not like a cowboy or yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, 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 true. It's true. Yeah. Ghost right. Right. <laughs> um, and I just I mean on the subject of 1987, I just have to say something here. I mean, costumes by Giorgio Armani, music by Ennio Morricone. Screenplay by David Mamet, directed by Brian De Palma. The Untouchables is a fucking dream team of people yeah. working together, and what an incredible combination! Well, it took a bunch of Oscars that year, didn't oh, it? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. One of my favorite Sean Connery roles that I feel like yeah. nobody talks yeah. about. Oh, but... it's like the oh best yeah. Sean, like, well, he won. I, the, I, I think he won his first Academy Award no, yeah. for that. Weird that film. nobody talks yeah. about Kevin Costner like, also. The Chicago way, yeah, yeah, yeah the Chicago way, right. but the. Um, the uh, I swear I mean it's just because it was a hardcore metal scene, but the uh, the knife to a gunfight line I've heard on right. more records yep. possibly yep. than any other one. Like especially like tough guy beat down kind of bands. Yeah. I would say to me that trifecta for me is still Goodfellas, Untouchables, and Miller's Crossing. Right is like to me the perfect. And plus, I will say, it besides take, the Godfather, it of did course. take a Martin Scorsese to make Kevin Costner seem like a movie star. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I can think of all the other movies. Wait, man, wait, 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 we're not talking about Untouchables, right? Yeah, that was that's De Palma. So, oh, yeah, 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 De Palma, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but yes, it took De Palma to yeah, do that. It took yes, De Palma definitely. To make, yeah, right. Because I was thinking of uh, De Niro being in the movie. Right. Right. But right, yeah, right. Like I, met, you know, for all the other movies he was in, like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and they, uh, Dances with Wolves, right, all right. the stuff he did himself. Yeah. Like I, I, I can only think of two movies where I'm like, yeah, Kevin Costner, he's got it. And it's not No Way Out. Yeah. <laughs> it's The Untouchables and yeah. Field of Dreams. And I don't know if there's ever. I totally I mean, thought you were going to say Mr. What was that? Mr. Uh, I know which. Was it Mr. Smith? Mr. Or? Nobody? Or no, no, uh, no, no, Mr. Yeah. Brooks. Mr. Brooks. Which is the yeah, yeah. Mr. Brooks. He was the only tolerable Dane Cook <laughs> oh, performance God. I've ever That's, seen. I actually uh, like I really like Dane Cook in Detention. I like him um, in that. Oh, and right. I was yeah, blown yeah, yeah. away by how good he was in. That and Kevin Costner, I actually thought he was he well because it was when he plays the straight man, which mm-hmm. exa- which right. is Elliot Ness, yeah. which is that's the funny Field thing is like dreams. how perfect yeah. Plus, Kevin uh, Costner is for Elliot Ness. It's yeah. like almost like the role he was born. Without to play, the Untouchables, yeah. we wouldn't have got the baby stroller stare exactly. scene from Naked Gun. Yeah, exactly. Where there was just like twenty of them coming down at the same time. I also time. want to yeah. give it up because Victor kind of mentioned it. We also would not have gotten Rex Banner. Yeah. So yeah. that's the most yeah. important for me. <laughs> and again, just, I mean, the idea, I mean, first of all, Ennio Morricone, who really doesn't do a ton of, you know, films like up that and movie the has 80s a really stuff. memorable uh, Super. main theme. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then just the costumes by Giorgio Armani, which I guess, I mean, I haven't looked, but he has not done costumes for a ton of films. And so that's a really rarity, too. And just. Well, I think on top of anything, I don't think most studios can afford him. Yeah. 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 But, for um, sure. Yeah. I'm going to have that 
that Sean Connery speech in my head for the rest of the day. <laughs> he puts one of your heads in the hospital, you put one of his in the mother. Oh, right, and when, right. he, yeah. when he oh, dies, man. it's so sad. Yes, yeah. well done. Yeah. So well done. Um, Just makes you wish he hadn't gone out <laughs> on Finding Forrester. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Medicine Man. Um, also want to give a quick <laughs> shout out to a fantastic freaking movie that I do not think is talked about nearly enough, Angel Heart. Yes, um, oh, Angel yeah. Heart is amazing. Such a great movie. Oh, it's, you know, it's a banner year for Martin Scorsese where he played Al Capone and Or, or yeah, Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, yeah man, totally. I'm, I'm off on it. That's okay. That's I mean, okay. Yeah, they're almost this was, uh, Who played Al Capone I, and the <laughs> devil. Yeah, I guess. And like the, yeah. I mean, this was the Martin Scorsese movie. But it, Sorry, I guess you're not ready, player it's one. It's still not, actually. It's Al Oh, man. But Angel Heart, that was... I only slept like four hours. <laughs> that was Lisa Bonet now trying I to know break if out of her. Actually, did a movie in eighty seven. I thought he did. <laughs> that was her trying to break out of her uh, Cosby Kid persona. Yeah, yeah. And well, yeah, no. And uh, De Niro's character in this movie is named Louis Cipher. Right. And I'm like, dude, really? I mean, it, 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 it's this is one of my bi- big <laughs> pet so peeves in movies. Like right. I, I've mentioned this before. It's like, oh, it's a town in California, and it's called. Santa word in Spanish that has right. to do with the monster, right? Yeah. And it's and it's Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah. like um, uh, so so uh, so Martin Scorsese did only direct one single thing in the year of 1987, uh-huh. and it was the music video for Michael Jackson's "Bad." Wow! Yeah. Wow! So there we go. Um, but yeah, that was yeah. Uh, Angel Heart is a great movie. It's also uh, funny enough the first Mickey Rourke film I ever saw yeah. in my life. Oh yeah! And I was like, wow, no more. Everybody thinks he's so like handsome, and you know, and then you're <laughs> sitting there, <laughs> and then you see him, and you're like, holy! When I saw the wrestler, I was like, holy fuck, dude! Like, yeah, he's bad. Damn, dude, you really like, oof. Yeah. I mean, it's just was Angel one. Heart before or after Harley Davidson and the Marvel before? Man? Yeah, it was before. Okay. Definitely. I, no, actually, actually, it was after. Really? I yeah. love that. No, movie. I think Harley Davidson, Harley Davidson and the Marvel Man was like 1989 or 1990. No, it's like either 88 or 86. Are you googling it, Josh? Uh, I am definitely googling <laughs> it. Uh, it's either 88 or 86. Um, it, 91, sir. Really? Yeah, 90, I was say, yeah. There was 91. Wow, yeah. Do you know why wow. I always think of that? Because I always think of that and the Adventures of Ford Fairlane together. Oh, and all right. these weird right. movie titles where I'm like a kid going, what the fuck is yeah. this movie about? Wow, like, I guess we'll revisit 1991. It's um, yeah, it's, yeah, 91 is an interesting movie. Uh, yeah. Also, one of my favorite 80s um, high school movies is from 1987, which is Can't Buy Me Love. That's uh, a great yeah. one. Filmed in Tucson. Filmed in Tucson. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, I just recently we uh, watched uh, rewatched the Wraith, oh, which is God, and yeah. I, now I really is that, want. Oh, no, is that eighty yeah. eight or eighty six? That it's... was eighty six, and yeah. um, eighty. I think it was filmed in eighty five and released in eighty six. Right. But um, I actually kind of <laughs> there's a lot of this stuff is gone now, but there's quite a few sites that are still open. I was like, man, there's a lot. There's a couple films in Tucson. I also just um. Oh, there's something else that I saw recently, but that one I was like, wow, um, where they were, I think they're in like Swarrow Canyon or something. I was like, wow, I actually know where this is. Like, right. I, it is fun to recognize well, stuff in films. It's that are really just... funny, too, because um, uh, our friend Chris Bradley, who's come to a lot of cult classic screenings, he's a film professor at ASU. Mm-hmm. He's actually in the rate. Oh really? Oh, wow. He's uh he's Charlie Sheen before he dies. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Nice. He's oh, also yeah. in a Sega CD game called Ground Zero Texas. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Which is also, I'm pretty sure, filmed at at Old Tucson Studios. <laughs> well, it's funny because we... Uh, and he's in waxwork. Yeah, he's in waxwork. Cool. That I remember, yeah. yeah. Cool. I always keep meaning to bring my waxwork stuff yeah. for him to sign. That's awesome, man. Yeah, well, speaking of locally filmed things, I picked up used cars on uh, VHS oh, yeah. uh, last Saturday. And uh, yeah, that was filmed in downtown Mesa. Yeah, dude. So, yeah. But, uh, which I looks exactly to, the same. It, as it yeah, did. really. Filmed right. <laughs> beautiful down, down. I can just imagine. Spacious, the, beautiful down, scenic downtown Mesa. <laughs> right next to Montgomery Ward. Yeah. I wanted to point this out, and if there was another movie that did it before this, uh, you guys can tell me. But as far as I know, Adventures in Babysitting, also 1987. Yes. One of the first movies, uh, besides Ferris Bueller's Day Off, to do an Easter egg at the end. Um, they oh, leave the okay. uh, gangster guy staying outside on the ledge of the building. Uh-huh. And then after they roll through all the credits, there's a real quick clip of him. He's still standing on the edge of the building. He's oh, like, uh, so you're a talking stinger. About a, a stinger, stinger yeah. after yeah. the credits? Yeah. Stinger, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, so ironically, yeah. the other earliest example. So what was the other one you brought up? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay, so that, the, okay, home. correct. So that's before 87. Was that 86 <laughs> or 85? Ferris Bueller's Day Off is 86. 86, right. Okay, so that must be the first one that I can think of. Probably. But another one in 87 was Masters of the Universe. Had a Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, because Skeletor pops back up. He's like, I'll be back. Yeah, exactly. And he never came back. Canon. (laughs) So hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know what's Uh, interesting, too, is one I told it. Well, one that's too funny is that. Um, a movie I didn't see, of course, until way like into like my high school or college years was Raising Arizona. Oh, oh, um, and it's also movie. interesting on this list, it's listed as romance. Um, that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. These huh. are categorized. Huh. And Dirty Dancing, huh. speaking of romance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, talk, Arizona talk about. filmed right here in Tempe. You yeah. can have the Back time when of your it life. Was all desert. I mean, here's the thing, guys. Like, I mean, we're the four of us right here, but I mean, I don't I don't want to make any kind of gender assumptions, but I would say if that we were four women of the same age, like, that's Dirty like. Dirty Dancing. That's like our Robocop. Yeah. You know? Oh, I mean, totally. I, I have never met a woman that's roughly my same age or maybe seven to ten years younger that Dirty Dancing is not. Not like this incredibly formative. I, I film will for give them. it up, and I rarely do for Family Guy. But when they had one of the non sequiturs, where it's like he gets arrested for statutory rape, that's like I, I really laugh <laughs> because it's one of those films where you really think about. It, you're going, right? Holy right. shit! They're well, actually right on that. This like is one of those movies that at the time I didn't understand at all, and I understood it later. It's like. Oh, it's a filmmaker trying to film, you know, their youth growing up in like the fifties or sixties, right. you know. Mm. But I remember growing up, it's like, why is every movie set in the fucking fifties? Yeah. It's the same yeah. reason every movie set in the eighties now. 80s now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's like it's not till you really think about it, it's like how many movies are actually set in the fifties. Yeah, it's a massive American. <laughs> Beatty, oh, yeah. Back to the oh, Future, yeah. Yeah. Bit, and like he, he goes Stand By Me, well, yeah, the Outsider, that, he just keeps going. When he going. does, yeah. Um, yeah, Stephen King, I've talked about before, especially when we were talking about it, which is interestingly being updated, of course, the 80s right. for the new film, right. which I find interesting. But That I mean, is really interesting. The, um, Stranger fi- Things. Yeah, the Stranger yes. Things thing. But the uh, 58, uh, you know, Stephen King, it's, it's interesting. My father was born in 47, so... He was 11, like I've said before, it's very interesting to kind of peer through his eyes with that. Um, but it's one of those things where, yeah, a lot of films, I realized it was like, wow, I know so many, you know, which at one generation was called oldies. 
Uh-huh. And now it's like oldies is like Pearl Jam. I mean, shit, right. I don't know what, oh you know, God. I mean, well, it's it just happened. so weird because like they still call oldies like say, I would say 50s and 60s. You don't really ever call 70s. Well, so I guess that maybe they are calling some 70s, 70s stuff oldies, I, I mean, but I'm, it's like classic rock. They play classic rock. Right, 70s right. Yeah. used right. to be considered, you would, in the 90s, <laughs> yeah. you would, it would be the 70s station. So it was always Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Right. You know, all that kind of but stuff. But it still is in a lot and of cases. And it is. You yeah. are right. Like still 90s shows. Well think, about it. Right. well, think about it this way. In the 90s, that 70s music was 20 years it's old. old. And so you now, the 90s marker. music is 20 years it's old, old yeah. believe yeah. it or not. It's just kind of funny how because they're playing the 70s music along with the 80s music along yes. with the yeah. 90s music. So the classic rock genre has like just basically kept expanding. Whereas like oldies, I th- it maybe is like just some one, early 50s, 70s, 60s. but it's like 50s, 60s. You're right. It's yeah. the do, novelty. You think uh, do wop yes. Yeah. Right. And right. then it's, it's literally what's broadcasting out of Sun City right now the american the graffiti right. soundtrack yeah the right. american graffiti soundtrack yeah which is another guy that's film so good amazing uh, and like, really interestingly because you bring up american graffiti and i know it's a bit off subject for 87 but i i actually think it's really fascinating how that film like came out in what was it 74 75 76 i mean around there mid 70s yeah. mm-hmm. um and it's set in like early 60s so it's really only set like 10 years yeah. earlier so i mean that's a really fascinating thing like imagine if i was making a film now that was set in 2005 yeah, you know, right? You know, and it's like, and we probably wouldn't do that. And it, it just goes, which, to by show... the way, I do argue consistently. With people, I said it's the only good film George Lucas ever made. Oh, and fuck! People, uh, yeah. THX is awesome. You know what? what? You I, no, I, I, I really believe it's to me the only directorially. Really good I don't film know that I could argue with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. And it, it really is just speaking as a director. I think. But more THX than it, 1138, dude. Uh, I'm just not really. Just never. Well, let me let me say this since we kind of brought this up. I was just. I got you though. I know what you mean though. I was discussing this with my wife earlier and i want to know what you guys think about this i was thinking about it i can watch movies and i can see and i can look and go okay this movie if i've never seen it before and i don't know when it was made i can judge by looking at the movie by the way it was filmed by the wardrobe by uh you know different things i can say this movie was made in the 60s mm-hmm. this movie was clearly made in the 70s this movie is 80s this movie is quintessentially 90s. Right. Anything after 2000, I can't really differentiate. Agreed. I can't I can't look at a movie and go, "Oh, that was 2005. Oh, that was 2015." I can other than film quality maybe or in like a sci-fi movie special effects quality is the only way, but as far as the way everyone looks and is dressed, I have a hard time differentiating yeah. anything after 2000. I think that it, it may be, and it's hard to really parse this out, but maybe it's because we're too close to it. And I was going to say, yeah. is you it because I'm well, getting old? No, it's also or... because everything in the past 10 years has pretty much been franchise-driven. Right. It's really hard to find things that are actually like original but, movies. But I get what you're saying, you though, know? just from a just a, a once-over, like a visual. Yeah. Because that's the way I feel about, like, and I know there's obviously people are going to really argue me on this one, but it's like video games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a PS4, but I mean, a lot of it doesn't look that much better than a PS3. Like that era. But I mean, if you were talking about like a PS2, you could see like the Which huge Which is difference. really like the early oh, Yeah, exactly. but that's what yeah. I mean. It's a good analogy totally. for me to do films where films generally, but once you start getting into effects, once you start getting mm-hmm. into like a few other elements, right. you can, it dates the movie instantly. I mean, there's, I know Victor's talked about this a ton on 
the podcast over the over our episodes has been how films are dated right like, or just like like or how a film is ruined obviously we've talked about a lot <laughs> and one of the things that that's why i think a lot of films from the 90s on it was just funny thinking of just 87 and going ah 88 was a great year too and then you're like 89 ah shit there right. like starts to drop off and then you yeah, go no, not that, not because yeah. there isn't good yes. movies, yeah. but it's one of those ones where you know you were talking about like even in the that period between eighty two and eighty seven, I can still go. Oh, this is a pretty good year, yeah. And it's percentage driven. Like that was a good percentage right. of films. Yes, it's not as banner year as you pointed out, Correct. but it's definitely one of those ones where right. I'm like, ah, it has a good mix. And yeah. then in the nineties, I really feel like it's dated. You can tell a nineties film. Oh yeah, watch so easily, uh, but, watch uh, Benny and June. Mm. Or the truth about cats and dogs, Dude. something like that. Yeah, where you've got people running around in like sundresses and combat reality boots. bites. Yes. Yeah, reality bites. Yeah. Reality bites. Yeah. Uh, Empire Records, definitely, which yeah. I still Empire love, but sure. it's incredibly. I mean, Clerks. Yes, yeah, but know? Clerks. One of the Clerks holds things, up though. The only thing oh, I've yeah. worked in Clerks too is that's one of those films where you really are glad they shot in black and white. Yes, yeah. um, and it's kind of like that's what makes to me um, Psycho so timeless. Mm-hmm. Is I'm so glad I shot in black and white. Right. Well, we because, talked about that like with Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another. And one. he did that out of necessity, not because he you know wanted to really, because that's all he could afford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it, it wouldn't have been the same movie had it not been in black and white. I mean, I kind of like. Hope. I think Psycho. Psycho's the same way. Oh yeah, yeah it is. Psycho. Just... A lot of the Hitchcock films, like uh, I think I would have loved to seen like North by Northwest in black and white. Yeah, instead of in color. That's a good point. I mean, it's a great movie, but I wonder how. And I much do love the color. I do love Hitchcock's color oh, film. But that's yeah. the thing. Like for me, like The Birds has to be in color. Yes, or uh, yeah. Vertigo, Rear Window, um, Rear oh, Window, vertigo, definitely. Especially, yeah. dude. But it's... like that's such a like yes. color driven film. Yes, it is. Um, and I mean, it's used to tell a story as well. I mean, that the psychology of that film is is in its colors. Right. You know, just with everything. Um, and, and a lot with Vertigo too. I think yeah, some of the effects yeah, yeah. and stuff they did wouldn't have held. As much, right, right, and, and it's difficult. But that's the thing is, I I find it so much easier to look at a '50s, '60s, or '70s film and be so much kinder um, because not only are they usually better. I mean, and definitely in a lot of the '80s films, especially practical effects. But I mean, I literally it is unforgivable for most '90s and 2000s <laughs> movies. I have, I literally, it's judge, jury, and executioner. Uh-huh. It, they're just, and that's the thing. And you're, I think you're 100 percent right on that. That it is. Um, more hindsight is twenty twenty. Right. There's probably some more perspective, well, but I do think because of our driven consumerism and how fast things come and go, yeah. I just also think like a lot of it's going to be a long time before there's a like well, a further assessment. Victor and I have talked about this. If you want to really see amazing shit, think about the Universal monster movies, uh-huh. specifically. The Invisible Man and the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. So the effects that they pulled off in those movies for being like the 1930s and 40s era yeah, right. is incredible. The creature in Creature from the Black Lagoon, they got a guy Dude, that could so hold good. his breath for four minutes. They went out and found him to do right. the underwater scenes in the costume and everything where the monsters, the creatures coming towards you, the gills on his freaking costume are moving like he's breathing. Yeah. How did they do that? They had, this was before they had bladders and all that other shit. Invisible man, he's running behind like chairs and shit and taking his clothes off and it still boggles your mind. Like I know they use camera tricks and stuff, yeah. but you look at it and think this was 1930, whatever. They had to, they didn't have the, the luxury of going, let's sit down in a computer and we're just going to CGI his body out of this. They had to sit down and go, okay, 
Here's a camera. Here's another camera. Here's a piece of glass. We're going to put this on here and then switch this over. They had to sit down and put hours into thinking and, and saying, how are we going to make this happen? Yeah, that's right. and, uh, and I think that's what King makes Kong it kind of... King Kong is also the... Yes. 1933, to be able to do that is unbelievable. Absolutely. I will say the one uh, Invisible Man movie that I thought... You know, totally got it. It was even though it was a special effects movie. It was Hollow still, Man. Oh yeah, Hollow Man. That's totally what that's it was. where I was going to say <laughs> Hollow Man because the mask was because it sure as hell wasn't Memoirs of an Invisible Man. So. Oh, I like I that. I like that. John movie. Carpenter misses. But uh, and all it's Kevin Bacon. I still got some love for that Hollow movie. Man. Actually, that's well, Hollow Man. The one awesome thing that worked with it well that it actually was echoed in the the 30s films is. Is one of those films. Well, the first thing you do is start becoming a criminal. You'd become yeah, yeah, yeah. morally totally, bankrupt. Totally. Well, and then it makes well, you like, and it, it drives you crazy. And then you yeah. start you start thinking, being invisible wouldn't be that cool, right? After yeah. I eat, I can't go anywhere. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah, I'm going to rob a bank, but how am I going to get away? Yeah, they yeah. see stacks of money running down have the street. You, uh, you know? Have you ever read um, the the comic Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? No. Yeah. So there's, um, I mean, that, that's a very crazy comp, but in the comic, the, the, uh, they are looking cause, you know, they're trying to gather all these people, yeah. right? So they're going to find Alan Quartermain, who's actually mm-hmm. an opium addict in the comic, right? He's not Sean Connery, like, you know. I was going to say, I still want to give that movie yeah. another chance, even yeah, though Yeah, the comic is fantastic. It. But so they're looking for the invisible man and they go to this girl's school and <laughs> the girls, like a huge amount of girls have become pregnant and it's this parochial girl school oh my god and they're they think they're being impregnated by the holy spirit and it's because yeah you put together the rest of it yeah exactly so talk about like you know being fucked up if you could become invisible yeah absolutely crazy yeah that's true Paul Verhoeven. Hey, what year was memoirs of an invisible man 93 92 yeah early 90s yeah yeah, for sure yeah. Nine, yeah, 91 or 90. It wasn't Chevy Chase's best film, but it was cute. Oh, well, there's maybe, another one who's just like, gone. Maybe a little later. Uh, yeah, 92, you got it. Yeah. yeah. And I, Planes, Trains, speaking of comedy, is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Is that 87? It totally that is, is. yes. Yeah. I saw okay. a print. Because, um, oh yeah, I was God. at the Gallery 1988. Yes, you are right. I did thing. see that. Yeah. That and movie yeah, is incredible. They had a bunch of ones. That is the, without that, we never would have had. David like, Spade and Chris Farley movies. Right. Yeah, it's that's like exactly the only, like Thanksgiving kind of. Yeah, it's movie. the best Thanksgiving movie yeah. ever. Yeah, next to Thanksgiving, <laughs> which I'm still <laughs> is my most wanted film probably of all time. Right Thanksgiving, now. Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I own it and it's signed by the director. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, oh. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Literally, uh, that Eli oh, Roth trailer. Oh, sorry, the, uh, I was like, Thanksgiving. I'm not the invitation of, isn't that Thanksgiving also? Or which I, one? The invitation, invitation, or am I thinking just of no, that's just a big a dinner? dinner. I think it's okay, dinner, there was but, another yeah. Thanksgiving movie that, like, I saw recently. It's like, oh, we have another Thanksgiving movie now. I was trying. Oh, I, I do it? think Gobble Gobble Motherfucker gobble, is in gobble the top. Motherfucker. Is in the top. Yes, we put that one of our demos <laughs> in my grind band. Nice, but right. yes, it is but classic. No, there, Give me the I gravy. Mean, we could just keep naming movies all day. I mean, there is clearly like well, Robocop. Here's a good one though to wrap up though because we haven't talked about the only good Freddy movie part three. Oh come on! Um, I was gonna say though is that one film because I kind of mentioned Near Dark, like seeing something later on. Was there one of these films that you saw much later and were blown away by, or would consider Full Metal Jacket? Okay, because I don't think you can register that movie as like a child. 
I mean, I loved Absolutely. that movie as a kid, um, but it fucked with me seriously hardcore. Like the scene in in the latrine, like mm. I mean, really, really messed with me as a kid. But I loved it just because I I don't know there was something about it. But in terms of you're saying movies that you watch like yeah, way like later, you appreciate way later, you don't remember them maybe like or you really didn't hear about mine them. was probably Prince of Darkness. Yeah, that's that, that's yeah, mine because exactly, I didn't even yeah. I didn't even see that movie till the early '90s when I rented it at a video store. Right? Yeah, because I remember when. I saw that movie I thought it was really boring mm-hmm. you know uh-huh. I was like this isn't like good movie and it's just because it's you know one of those like oh okay you have to really think about what's going on right there. yeah after I think after you become a fan of John Carpenter it becomes a lot better yeah. for some reason I love that movie I, think I love it, it is a great movie awesome. and there's just like so many movies Donald Pleasant in the, yeah in, in this time period that you just like saw and like on face value, you were like all into like Harry and the Hendersons. One <laughs> yeah, dude. La Bamba. Um, I mean, for me, it Mannequin. was. Um, it was uh, honestly to fit in that category we we're talking about. Near Dark. I watched Near Dark Same for the man. very first time about six months ago. Ever. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. And um, I mean, I'm a I'm a very very big Catherine Bigelow fan. I mean, Point Break is one of my favorite movies of all time. Strange Days is easily one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I I just love Catherine Bigelow, and I'd never seen Near Dark, and it's one of these things. And I don't know if you guys ever have these things, but like, it's a movie that like you looked at pictures of as a kid, and it kind of scared you in some way. And so for some reason, you carried into adulthood the fear that you felt as a child. Um, and Near Dark was that for me because I remember looking at the back of the VHS and it's got like these people with just blood all over their mouths and blood all over their shirts and it wasn't like the normal kind of vampire thing that I used to think of even though weirdly like I loved The Lost Boys as a kid and that's got a shit ton of blood in it too but there was something about Near Yeah Dark. but it was done differently It right. was the, the only scene in The Lost Boys and it still resonates because I love The Lost Boys too um, is um, the campfire scene terrified right. me as oh, yes, dude yeah. when they bite and into that guy's, guy's head, head yep. just, that and was... I love the look on Kiefer Sutherland's face when he comes out and he's wiping his mouth it is so right. sinister when right. he's like yeah. now you know what we are now you know what you are yeah, did any of you guys see The Believers when it came out in 1997 I, I, I didn't but I was terrified of voodoo when I was a kid yeah yeah you know like I remember like The Believers was like one it's it's actually about Brujeria okay yeah right but it's like it's one of those movies like The Serpent in the Rainbow right yeah. like the trailer just like I can't ever watch this it's yeah you right know? but it's like weird when you actually do watch it how it's just like the like the upper class white satanic panic version sure. of Rosemary's <laughs> Baby. Sure, yeah. Definitely. I I mean, The Serpent and the Rainbow. I actually read that book in college, Wade Davis's account, and I mean, it's much more um, uh, clinical and scientific. scientific yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is interesting. But the um, but once I actually read it or was in college and actually understood the history, the Papa Doc, Baby Doc history mm-hmm. of Haiti. Holy shit. Yeah. And I still to this day, anyone who talks about, oh, you know, life's hard. Or I got hard. I'm like, you don't live in Haiti, Sue. Right. And yeah. you haven't for 50 years. Serpent so. in the Rainbow. It was one of those movies. It scared the living shit out of me when I was younger. And then I revisited it again and I wouldn't watch it again because I'm like, that movie scared the shit out of me. Because I was like 12 years old yeah. I think, when it came out. But then I went back and I watched it again as an adult. And I'm like, 
it's kind of cheesy. Yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it, that Bill oh, Pullman, really? Yeah, yeah. Wes Craven oh, once again. Yeah, Deadly really. Friend, people under the stairs. I love era. Deadly Friend. I do love Dude, Deadly the Friend, part and I love people. I wish, the I wish that, that Deadly Friend was out yeah. on Blu-ray. Oh, uh, I, I have that, that on VHS. But talking about things it's that awesome. fuck with you as a kid, dude, the part where she throws the basketball and it explodes. Oh, she blows head. that lady's head yeah. off. Like, yeah. That yes. part, like it came so out of left oh, field Mom as Fratelli. a kid. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, oh, or like the end when she like comes back and her skin peels off. Yeah, she's a robot. She's the robot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But also, uh, baby. Yeah. Well, also, uh, people under the stairs was terrifying. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Because they cut that kid's tongue Tongue out. Yeah. And just thinking about that, I was like, oh, God, that sucks. I'm going to just tell you one thing. I'm really glad that as as a kid, I never watched Last House on the Left. Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. No, I don't think he could. I'm glad. I mean, I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre a little young, and I was not ready for it. But the, um, (laughs) The one thing I always remember from people on our stairs is that was the first exposure I ever had to S and M. Yeah, and I oh, was like, funny. "What the fuck is going on?" I like, didn't know what it was. Yeah, like, I was not. just I like, was "This just is some crazy Leatherman." Yeah, know? I just <laughs> did not understand like any of that. It was just one of those things. But um, you know, I I I really think you know, like I said, I, I will say a lot of people. I mean, we're all largely the same age group. I'm pretty much the same. But it's one of those ones where. I, I find a lot of people who are like, oh, God, I remember seeing that. And I'm like, you were three. You don't fucking <laughs> remember seeing that. That's right. a, a load of horse shit. Um, but I think, honestly, 87 for me, I was eight years old, is one of the first times I really remember, like, very cognizant of film. Yeah. Um, so I, I do hold it special for that. A lot of these movies I saw, a lot of them I wasn't supposed to see, like Predator. Yeah. Um, which was also a terrifying movie when you're a kid, um, on the Invisible Man tip. But the whole mm-hmm. like the hunting and the the skinning and all that, like that was terrifying. That was to a me. big year for me too, because yeah. I was I was going into junior high. I was in seventh grade. Right. And uh, Predator was actually the first rated R movie I ever saw in mm-hmm. a theater, uncut with all the every. You know. Yeah. I mean, we had seen like I mean, I'd seen rated R movies before, but I hadn't seen one in the theater. Um. And then, yeah, when he was, ah, what? Hey, you son of a bitch. And I'm like, is that really how people greet each other? Holy crap, you know? Yes, it is. But yeah, the, um, the whole, uh, the whole thing, cause that, that's when I started getting kind of into, uh, music that wasn't yeah. church music. Right. You know, and, and kind of finding myself and what I liked. And that's when I started getting more into horror movies and things like that. Like more, more horror, not just like the universal stuff I had been watching right. as a kid. Like I was excited about, Texas Chainsaw Masters coming on TV, awesome, you know, type of thing. So that was kind of a magical time for me too, because you're in the, you're not quite a kid anymore, but you're not fully a teenager yeah. either. I'll say, cool. I'll say this for '87. Um, I think, um, I, I must have just, you know, searching my memories, we must have gotten a VCR in probably 88 because some of my earliest vhs memories are movies of 1987 nice um and and really like i mean robocop which i think is like that and evil dead 2 are the elephants in the room we haven't spent a lot of time talking about them monster squad Um, yeah and monster squad as well like i i I think that 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 we would probably agree that like those are two of the absolute best films um that came out i think we kind of skipped over those because i think it was kind of self-explanatory hellraiser was another one but but it's all been talked about exactly um, i will definitely say though that i mean the the ed 209 sequence where he just rips that one guy up like that was it's it's 
it's solidified in my memory of being a little kid watching it. And it's like the way that it just comes out of nowhere, just absolutely out of fucking nowhere. And then this guy is all of a sudden just destroyed. Like, I mean, I was so scarred by that. That's kind of like the fucked Frank one from Hellraiser. Yeah. Right. Jesus wept. Yeah. Right. But like, I always think that. What the that, fuck did I just uh, see? What is it? Paul Verhoeven said, I imagine the. Cruci- you know the uh the tor the torment cru- right. uh, crucifixion of jesus christ and i'm going yeah and then once i saw like passion of the christ i was like yeah right. that's pretty much spot on yeah um but that terrified me to to watch somebody be tormented like that and then yeah. and people laughing about it yeah um and the fact that you know because i just watched a great uh documentary on robocarp recently how it's like what we have seen is so watered down compared to what Verhoeven wanted. You know, oh, he's yeah, upset yeah. about the film. He's upset. It's funny because you watch it now. You watch it, it now and it is like, <laughs> I mean, it's still you know, pretty damn violent, to, but like, but he wanted to be it's so also, it's also like a black comedy about oh, yeah. commercialism. Of course. Yes. I mean, even the point, I buy make, that for a dollar, right. the, the point they make at the end, like, Oh, Murphy, I'm a mess. And he's like, right. I'll fix you. They yeah. fix everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is funny how it is like, it's funny that we spent a lot of time talking about the Running Man. It's like the perfect companion piece. Oh yeah! yeah. And then Absolutely. in the middle, let's have a Smash TV tournament. So mm-hmm. we're all set. That's what we need to do. That should be a cult classic <laughs> event, right? <laughs> oh, dude! I guess it's like, did the Running Man come out after American Gladiators or before? I before. feel like before. Oh, it was before. Gladiators is like eighty nine. 88, 89. It's just weird because yeah. it's just like it, it presaged so much of what the world today like. How reality TV it just like pretty much guides our universe. Just so right. much shit that seemed like impossible and stupid is like <laughs> right there. You're it's absolutely true. right. Absolutely, true. absolutely. But down I mean, to like the... audience, you know, the audience participation being like vote for your favorite. You know, well, right. and how cool was it also with the Running Man? To put Richard Dawson yes. as Killian. I mean, to take Perfect. the host of the Family Feud, have him host this horrible, murderous show, and be so fucking good, good at, at it. it. Yeah. You know, like, Richard Dawson kills that movie. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, he's yeah, he the does. secret weapon of why yep. that film works, honestly. Um, it's it's so, so good. I mean, Running Well, it's Man funny. It's tremendous. almost like they took it, okay, in this scenario... Who else would be hosting this besides Richard? You know what I mean, right, Richard right. Dawson. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I always thought too was the um the kind of video game comic book aspect of everything. Like mm. I was upset. Everyone wants to create like heroes and villains, and the whole idea of it was just. I love how they were, depending on which way you viewed them. It's like um, Joshua was just showing this amazing Dynamo print he got, right. and I love the idea of like that they were so different. Like everybody. Yeah, was so weird. Like, I love that the lady who picks Dynamo in in the Running Man is Missy Vaughn from Pee Wee's. Uh, oh, totally. Oh, you're right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh man, so good. Sub Zero. Yeah. Oh, so good. Dang it. Yeah. It's oh yeah. Sub Zero is Francis's Butler in Pee Wee's Big yep. Adventure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's Whoa! Another Pee Wee. Yeah. Victor bowling the six degrees in Pee Wee. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because again, it's another. Since we weird, couldn't do the six it's degrees, weird black comedy, right? I mean, because that—that's right. the thing that gets me at the beginning, where he's like Ben Richards, a helicopter pilot. Yeah, he's like just fire on the crowd, but I'm not gonna do that. 
There's innocent people down there. <laughs> children. I'm not going to fire on children. And then when you see him again down the line, he's just like, I'm punny Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, oh, this would look great on you. <laughs> Relax. She needs oh, a vacation. Uh, <laughs> I will say, number one, too. But it's funny when we were talking about the people on the stairs, but you... Like the the sexual awakening of Kirby was my brother explained what Maria Conchita Alonso was talking about where she hit it. I, <laughs> yeah. I, oh my that God. like completely oh, went over man. my head as a kid, of course, because I'm like seven or eight, you know. Right. <laughs> Jesus, man, it, it really like I was like, the what now? <laughs> like, <laughs> do you do the what? What? The, huh? What? Like, oh, man. <laughs> but this is also the guy who tried to tell me how girls get pregnant and I'm pretty sure it was like some horrible oh like right, bus um well, bus ride a, version of it. Yeah, like, a bus know, ride version. Yeah, well, you she, know yeah, like yeah. you like what you talk about on the school yes. bus like the he, invisible he, man comes Yeah, behind. no, I totally yeah, know yeah. what you mean. Much, yes. Yeah, he he like pieced <laughs> it together. Man, yeah. <laughs> uh 87. I, you know also mall culture Tiffany oh, like yeah. I mean that's the thing. It's the 87 is not just the films of 87. It's that kind of neon color Debbie Gibson electric youth oh, like I mean it's all of that stuff. Um it's arcade culture swatches. like you know that swatches <laughs> um you know like leg warmers and that's the thing and it almost drives me crazy because you have that thing where it's like at, at, at work, I don't know if your your guys's work have dumb things like this, but my work will sometimes have an '80s day. Everybody oh, come dressed as '80s, and corporate. literally every single person wears neon leg warmers, you know, and that's what they think of as '80s. And it's like it's so funny that when people think of '80s, they think about that. What they're thinking about is '87. You yeah. know, that's what they're. thinking well, It was. About. It was kind of the end of that era. And yeah. I will say it's funny that you brought. Um, I also was a big fan of Can't Buy Me Love, and yeah. it's one of the ultimate like mall movie. Right. Um, and there was just in Robocop, like you say, you get to the end of it all, like the full circle is the, uh, consumerism. consumerism. Yeah. And it was, it was the, the apex. Uh, no, but 87 yeah. was the apex yeah. of consumerism. And Running Man and yeah. Yeah, Running yeah, Man. Totally. So it's good yeah. stuff. It was some kind of wonderful. But I'm bummed. I'll go kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did a good job in camp. Uh, I really wish, uh, Mannequin and got a little more low there. I mean, Hollywood. <laughs> I loved that movie as a kid, dude. Like you know that. Was, I don't worry, I'll the sing the Starship song to you after this. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop us now. <laughs> what were we? I was one time. I was uh, the other day. I was talking to Jasper about like you know programming ideas I had for um, the Royale this year. I used to do co classics app years ago. One of the ideas I had that got shot down. This was, is genius, by yeah, the way. Was doing uh, <laughs> in October doing the uh, the eighty, you know, the eighties monster mash, and it was uh, doing what, what was it? Um, mannequin as a mummy. Yeah, mannequin is the mummy. So good. Teen Wolf mm. for the werewolf. Once bitten for the vampire. And weird science for Frankenstein. Yes, that's rad. That is right. That's yeah, rad. Good job. And then you can that top sounds it like off a with the Fury. Monster Squad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a T-Fury shirt waiting yeah. to happen. Oh, God. It's way too good for T-Fury. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's Kirby Bates. No, no, no. I'm going, it actually is genius. That's an amazing idea. Isn't I love it? It's really good. But I just, it's just funny because 
like you shouldn't have said it because now someone's gonna do it and it's like you're a mary poppins funko that you just uh, you could have made thousands right. see? Uh, yeah. uh, it's good stuff but no it, that is a rad idea that, yeah, and that really awesome is show. funny enough that that is truly right. um kind of how it works in oh, the yeah. end like it's just funny how that became our universal monsters yeah so so weird yeah what a but weird yeah, fucking decade. If you want to see the 80s and live in Tempe, uh, we're doing a 30th anniversary screening of RoboCop on August 12th. Woohoo! Yeah. You know you want it. So, you know, cult classics. I'd buy that for a dollar. But uh, I think that's it for this edition. Join us next time as we tackle some other vital social issues and stuff. Until then, I'm Victor Marino, along with Joshua T. Root. Who loves you and who do you love? Right! Yes! Yes, yes, right? Yes! yes. Kirby Nelson. Too tired to come up with an amazing <laughs> quote. <so. laughs> Jess Marino. Burn rubber does not mean warp speed. <laughs> Until next time, me sucky sucky, me love you long Ooh. time. Nice one. Thank <laughs> you.